Okay, let's try again. This is tape four, Saturday, April twenty-seven, year two thousand thirteen. To learn more. I agree. Let's see. Geography. Mason Dixon line. I did. Now, let's see. They, isn't the, well, now, where is the Appalachian Mountain Range? Isn't that another big dividing line on the, in the east? It, yes, north to south, and it goes right up into New York. I don't know about how much farther north it goes there. Well, let's see. Um, boundary between Pennsylvania and northern Maryland. Pennsylvania. Well, it looks like the original dividing line is what we're living with today. Is that possible? Missouri Compromise, hold on. Um, over 50 years later, the boundary between the two states along the Mason-Dixon line came into the spotlight with the Missouri Compromise in 1820. The Compromise established a boundary between the slave states of the South and the free states of the North. Right, However, its separation of Maryland and Delaware is still a bit confusing since Delaware was a slave state that stayed in the Union. How's that for confusion? The boundary became referred to as the Mason-Dixon line, and it doesn't say anything about it being extended to Missouri. The whole thing, just the whole line that appears in a current map is the same one that we saw earlier across the southern border of Pennsylvania and south along the Delaware border, Delaware-Maryland. Hmm. It doesn't go anywhere else. Is that possible? I thought it went farther than that. What do you know, Jerry? I don't know. Huh. <laughs> now, see what you made me do? I know. Well, we get to learn something. More homework. Let's see. How far are you from Annapolis, Jerry? Uh, about two hours. Dope, that's a pretty good ride. Yeah. How long does it take... Now, mind you, this is from somebody who used to drive it, but uh, from the northernmost point in Maryland to the southernmost point, how many hours or how many miles? Either one. Or both. Uh, well, Maryland really runs east and west. Uh, when you go to the, the southern part, there's a part that runs out down by the cave down where the uh, naval air station. That's actually, but that is a pretty good hike. That's, that's a good, uh, probably... I don't know, but, you, know, you have to go through the, much go through the city, probably three hours or so. I think it's a pretty good run. A couple times. That's not an awful lot. We can deal with that. Alright, oh. it looks like that's the whole Mason-Dixon line. How about that? I never knew that. Well, I never did either. I really thought it went farther west, like out to the Mississippi at least. Well, I never knew what the Mason Dixon really, if I did, I, I sure don't remember why we yeah. even had a Mason Dixon to begin with until you read it tonight. I, I was only joshing, like, Mason lived in New York and Dixon lived in South Carolina. But no, I did not know it was sort of a dis dispute between the British colonies. I didn't know it was a dispute, no, I, I knew it was a survey line, but I didn't know why. Hmm, how about that? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know, and it doesn't go as far west as I thought it did. So, Jerry, did he get a present or anything, or did he just get fed? 
No, nah, just just failure. You get caught. What I what I want. There's nothing I need, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, material stuff. There's nothing I need. Uh, just just good having a bunch of people around. Got a good story for you about the baby. You always ask me about the baby, Patricia. Yeah, please. Uh, he uh, yeah, I got horseshoe pits out here, and, and uh, he's watching everybody pitch horseshoes all the time. Uh huh. So yes, you know, of course, wouldn't let him around them when they're pitching because it's pretty good hit. And uh, so yesterday he went out there by himself here before when there was nobody around. He went out there and started uh, pitching horseshoes by himself. And uh, are you serious? Those things are heavy. Yeah, he he was uh, pitching all four shoes, and he was getting four ringers every time. Then he'd <laughs> take them back the other way, throw four ringers every time. Yeah. Now. How much distance between him and the the, the stakes? The, the stakes are 40 feet apart, but he, you know, he couldn't throw them that far, so he would pick up no. the shoe, walk all the way to the other end, drop it around the, around the stake. <laughs> <laughs> Get the other one, bring it up there, drop it around the stake. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. There, he would sit there and stare at him like he's counting the points. And, yeah, and yeah. Then he'd take them back the other way. <laughs> and he'd bring them back on the other end. Well, if he couldn't do it your way, he would do it his way. Yeah, he was That's cute. There about two dozen times, you know. <laughs> uh, wear him out a little bit anyway. He is a high-energy kid. <laughs> That's cute. That is really cute. Well, are you going to answer a question? Yeah, first I wanted to ask you about uh, last week. You were asking about, uh, uh, Walden said something about the song on White Night, and he was talking yeah. TV show and you were going to watch the listen for him. Did you do it, Patricia? No. Uh-oh. Oh, Was man. that my homework? <laughs> you had him on the list of things to do. I was... Oh, wait. I have to make a new list here. I was supposed... I did, however, I looked up the information when we were talking about soldiers being drafted with limitations. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the word limitations? Yeah, I remember. I remember you telling me off the air that you've got... That one figured out. Right. So you got that. Yep. You got your first part of your homework done. Well, that was my first part. And then I was supposed to do what? Let's Look do... at the, an episode of The White, whatever? No. What, was it, what was the name of the TV show, Jerry? Uh, moving On. Moving On. Moving On. Yeah. And I was supposed to watch an episode? Uh-huh. Uh, you said you uh, were, and then there was a white... The, the song, The White Knight. song, The White Knight. Yeah. You and know, I was supposed to watch it, huh? Listen to it. Oh boy, oh, I'm dear. I'm a failure. All right, moving on. Watch an episode. Go to YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Go to YouTube. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do it right now. Okay. Sure. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> okay, I wrote it down on my list. If I don't write it down, it doesn't get done. I'm very sorry. I was supposed to do that. Do you have a recipe? that you grew up with that just doesn't taste the same today if you try to make it or somebody else tries to make it? Uh, not really. There's only one that I've, I've never been able to find it. And uh, my stepfather, I remember one time he, uh, you know, you have these people do these shows like, uh, uh, what do you call them, plasticware, uh, Tupperware thing. Mm -hmm. They come to your house and they have a right. and sell Tupperware. Well, he let somebody come to the house one time to sell cookware, and the guy cooked a meal. And he, of course, he's like 50 people over to feed him, you know. 
uh, he uh, he cooked a ham and he made a ham gravy that had ginger ale or ginger in it. And I've never been able to find a recipe anywhere. I never heard anybody know anything about it. But I remember that was some real good gravy that he made. Ginger gravy for ham, and this was a smoked ham. Uh, I think it was canned ham. A canned ham, okay, but not a fresh ham like a chunk of pork. Canned ham. Okay. And, All right. So ginger, ginger. Either ginger ale or ginger or something in it. But I remember it was really good. That was that gravy you made with that. Well, if I find it before you hang up, do I get a prize? Uh, sure. You get to make it. Okay. ginger ale normally for? I mean, that's, you know, you always see a candidate ginger ale, but generally, what ginger ale normally used for? Mixing drinks and for drinking. Right, that's about it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like root beer. What's except it's ginger. It's, it's, it's good for settling and some other upset stomach, too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. yeah, but anytime anybody ever that I know of ever got ginger ale for an upset stomach, somebody went and took the bubbles out of it. Okay. You know, you had to drink the stuff flat. Right. Uh, ginger ale without bubbles just isn't ginger ale. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got a recipe for ginger glazed ham. And you put uh, sauce in the pot and two or three liter bottles of ginger ale. Put three two liter bottles of ginger ale. How much are they cooking here? Uh, he's never used anything like that. No, that's not right. Um, maple syrup, ginger mustard sauce. How to make how to make gravy from baked ham. Uh, let's see. Okay, and if I if I get it. If I do this right, then I get a prize. If you do it. How to make if you do gravy it. from, okay. Are you going to make it for Junior? If you do it, <clears throat> Start you do with this? half a ham, score the outside, cut fresh pineapples, fasten the pineapples, we know that, maraschino cherries mm. in between, um, one liter of Vernon's sugar-sweetened ginger ale over the ham, bake it for three and a half hours, and if you can't find Vernon's, add a quarter teaspoon of dried ginger to a liter of any dry ginger ale. The baking process yielded about three quarts of of liquid with an aroma of ginger, cloves, da-da-da-da-da, pour off the liquid, including the scrapings, boil to reduce to a thicker, sweet, syrupy mixture. Thicken by using cornstarch, just like you would with gravy. And there you are. Uh, you have to email with that link. How about, I, I can do that, and I can just copy this and send it in an email. You know what recipe this is. I mean, it's like home cooked stuff. It's not uh, a chef or anything. It came out of somebody's kitchen. Yeah, How about that? Okay. My 
there's something my dad and I were talking earlier this week. How do you make Maraschino cherry? Is that really a cherry dipped in sugar sauce? I mean, or you grow it that way? Well, you don't grow it that way. It's in a in a syrupy sauce. Right. Let me send Jerry. Homework, homework, homework. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to do one thing at a time. I have to send Jerry the... Food. Um, hold on. This is Patricia cooking... Patricia Kitchen. Oh, Hosted I tell by, you what. Hosted you by know, Long's Use. We got Danny Thomas and Ginger Ham and what else? Mason Dixon line uh -huh. and, and what else? Lots of stuff. Jerry. We're a very gourmet show. And... Okay. Oh, no, that's not the right one. Um, Jerry, give me the first two letters of your email address. That's J-O. J-O. Well, <laughs> you're in here somewhere, but it's not coming up. Alright, I got your email address. I'll send you some. Do that, and um, then I can just reply with yeah, this okay. little gizmo here. Yeah, we hang up here. And then what am I supposed to do, Walden? Man oh, there she knows. cherries. I like those myself. Very sweet. Maraschino mm -hmm. cherries. And let's see. Maraschino cherries. Wikipedia. Preserved sweetened cherry, typically from light-colored sweet cherries. And I have to read the rest of it here. Hold on. Um, light-colored sweet cherries. In their modern form, the cherries are first preserved in a brine solution. How about that? Brown? Uh, and they're bleached and then soaked in a suspension of food coloring. And other, and then they put in sugar syrup, and that's about it. Huh. Just red sugar syrup and bleached cherries. <laughs> bleached cherries, good grief. That's what it says. Wow. So it must have a little bit of a, a snap to them because they soak them in brine first. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does have a little snap, uh -huh. you know, like a little zinger. It, well, it's, it's very distinct, very sweet. Ah, okay. Now, whole cherries preserved in liqueur were originally known as maraschino cherries. First Croatian time, yeah, first origin. time I ever remember, what I remember them, just being your drink, like when you used to order a Shirley Temple or a, uh -huh. a Roy Rogers, they would put yep. maraschino cherry. Yep. These cherries were first introduced in the United States. And they were served in fine bars and restaurants. By the turn of the century, American producers were experimenting with flavors such as almond extract. And, you know, you give people a perfectly good food and they'll find any way they can to mess it up. Decreasingly popular alcoholic variety was illegal as well in, during Prohibition. That's where the alcohol in these things went. Hmm. How about that? Okay, prohibition was repealed in 1933. Food and Drug Administration revisited the federal policy toward canned cherries. It held a hearing about cherries. Can you imagine this? 
and held a hearing in 1939 to establish a new standard of identity for maraschino cherries. Can you imagine they held a special meeting about cherries? You think it was a taste test? Um, Do you think Congress spent some money to have taste the maraschino cherries? I don't see? know. This was the Food and Drug Administration. They, somebody had too much time on his hands. Uh-huh. Unreal. Anyway, that's that's maraschino cherries. Sugar syrup. All used right. to have alcohol. All the fun was taken out, Walden. I'm sorry. Uh, I still love him anyway. I'm very sorry. So, All right. Well, we found your recipe. So this is good. And if you send me an email, I'll send you the link. And then you have to answer a question so I can send you some shows. Let's see here. <laughs> Bickerson's. We did Bickerson's already. Um, yeah, I heard you say nobody ever asked for the Bickersons. You, you sent me some one time. Yeah. And, uh, oh, when I'm, you're right. Did you ever listen to any of them? I've, I've, yeah, I've had some on, uh, you know, for for a long time. I've listened. I, I love listening to them. I, in fact, my uh, my ten year old grandson has a. Uh, well, they all do. They have these uh, MP3 players. Right. Uh huh. And I put some of the Bickersons on there for him. You know. <laughs> So we'll give you Bickerson's question then. Bickerson's was sponsored. Spon- I'm not doing too well tonight, am I, Walden? You're doing really good. All right. And I have the rest of Susie Sells Seashells, too. Oh, good. All right. The Bickerson's was sponsored by Dreen, D-R-E-N-E. What was Dreen? It's multiple choice if you need some help. Yeah, that's right. I don't have no idea. All right. It was toothpaste, dish liquid, you know, dishwashing liquid. Wrinkle remover or shampoo? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to get, get them all wrong on this one. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go with that third one, wrinkle remover. I know that was wrong. Wrinkle remover, no. We're down to one out of three. Shampoo, toothpaste, or dishwashing liquid? Uh, we'll try dishwashing liquid. Down to one out of two. You're going to do it, Gary. I know it. You're going to get it. Shampoo or toothpaste? Toothpaste. Let's try toothpaste. One out of one. All right, Gary. We're going to get it now. Is it shampoo or shampoo? Shampoo or shampoo. Let's go with shampoo. (laughs) (laughs) It's shampoo. Dream shampoo. Well, then what was the whole thing about... Do do you remember the entire line? I was trying to think. Um... A dream girl, dream girl, that's what it was. Dream girl, dream girl, dream girl. Beautiful luster green girl. No, that's luster cream. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Well, all right. We'll we'll figure it out. You better look it up on the internet. Everything else is up there. I will look it up on the internet. What shows do you think you might like, Jerry? Oh, I don't know. Like I say, you sent me some Bickersons one time. Did Mm -hmm. Did you have any more of those or? No, I put in everything that I had. And, uh, Are you in the market for comedy or westerns or detective or yeah, either, either. adventure? Comedy or westerns sounds good. I like uh, you know I like all the comedies a lot. Comedies, all right. Well, let me see what ones you've had here. Why are you saying it? Why, why are you doing that? Let me throw you a. Uh, 
trivia question. All right. Oh, wait, wait. No, I get to ask. I don't have to answer. <laughs> That's what we're talking about, the, the uh, uh, Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got me thinking of uh, Lewis and Clark. Did you ever hear about the about that uh, rifle they carried with them? That no. It's so bad that the... This is how this is how Lewis and Clark was able to cross the country, and the Indians never bothered them because every time they go to a new area, they would demonstrate this rifle they had. No kidding. And uh, it was so powerful that the Indians said they, they'd rather they'd rather be friendly than fight. Wow. Is that true? Yeah, and it was an air. Oh rifle. my word! It was an air rifle. An air rifle. Hmm? You mean like a like a Red Rider type BB gun? A little more powerful, but yeah. Yeah. Oh my word. You know, I think I think Lewis and Clark were gone so long they thought they were dead. Right. You know, they never. But they they carried. They had one air rifle they carried with them, and uh, they they convinced the Indians that their everyone was equipped with this rifle, uh, and it was about the size and weight of a musket, about ten pounds. And wow. Inches or so. How did they survive? How did they hunt? Yeah, well, this air rifle would. would uh, uh, it, they could. It held 22 rounds in the magazine, and it could fire 32 rounds without losing velocity. And it, it fired a 50 caliber musket ball, or I think it was a 46 caliber, uh, and uh, at about the same velocity as a modern day uh, 45 ACP pistol. Wowzers! And, uh, Boy, am I impressed! All right, now they they had a magazine of 32. 22 in the magazine that could fire 32 rounds before it had to be recharged. 32, oh, okay, all right, I misunderstood. So where did they get the pellets or the musket, they musket rounds? They were lead, lead musket balls. Same thing a musket fired with powder. So where did they get it on this long journey? Well, I imagine they had to pack them with them. That's an awful lot of weight for an awful lot of travel, and then they had to come back. Right. Oh, my word. You know, we'd still be in Philadelphia if you depended on me. <laughs> we'd never get out of there. Okay, you want me to send you a comedy? Just pick a comedy that I think you might like? Sure. Okay, I can do that. Comedy it is. Pick a comedy for a Jerry. I can do that. I am very good. So, all right. Well, Jerry, you have yourself a wonderful week. And um, if you feel like calling us after the coffee is done, we'll be here. All right. Okay, Jerry. Thanks a bunch. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. 714. And, and then I have to watch a movie or a, a television show, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You want the rest of Susie Seashell's uh, type stuff? Yes. All right. 714. Go ahead. I'm ready. Never mind. Hello there. You're on the air. Hello. I said, howdy, y'all. Howard, how in the world are you?
having trouble hearing me, apparently. Well, I, I no, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm I missed a couple of words there, and it's my equipment. Walden's going to get me fixed up with something that matches my ears. Uh, but um, how you? are you feeling, and how are you doing? Oh, about the same as usual, I guess. It's always will be something, and that's the way life is. But uh, I'm getting there a little bit long. Well, we sure have missed you. I don't know, it just uh, hasn't seemed opportune to call for some reason, so I haven't. I've, well, I'm falling behind on my lessons and everything. Yeah, I know it. I've, I've thought about it. Um, I was looking the other day and saw a place selling canned possum and I... <laughs> <laughs> and you thought of me. I sure did. Not too hard, though, right? I still haven't got over that. I'm, I'm still dithering. Uh, of course, you and Walden both. I'm sure he'd love to have some. Of course. Oh, my goodness. Canned possum. This is good. Harwood was trying to teach me how to be a southerner. Well, maybe not how to be a southerner, but to be less Yankee. Would that be acceptable? Well, no, but it's the best we can do, I guess. <laughs> You are so hopeful on so many fronts. This is not one of them. Well, sure I am. I mean, you know, at least we're giving you an opportunity. To do what? To, to try to improve yourself and all, but... You're <laughs> hopeless, so... Do you think Patricia could be a sudden bell someday? Well... Or a ding-a-ling. <laughs> one or the other. He he wanted to know if I could be a Southern Belle, and I said maybe a ding-a-ling. Oh well, there's a lot of those walking around, but I really wasn't called <laughs> Southern Bells. Oh, <laughs> uh, I get. I don't think I'll ever make a Southern Belle. I'm not even going to make Southern. Just, I've disappointed my teacher. Just got to put effort into it. I'm I'm putting as much effort as I thought I could, but apparently it's not enough, so I have to try harder. Yeah, right. Well, something's, it's worth doing, it's worth doing right, you know, you always hear that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What, what's on my lesson plan for tonight? Well, I really didn't realize I was going to call until the last minute, so I didn't do one. I got to oh. Okay. See, he, he, he took, your teacher took sympathy on you because he didn't prepare a lesson plan on you, Patricia. So that yeah. Well, knew, that's nice. That, knew, that's really nice because yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of wiped out tonight and I'm messing up and I'm tripping over words and I would disappoint you. So I'm, I'm really glad that I don't have a test tonight. Okay. So what's been happening in your area of the woods? Well, the same thing. We've had a, another batch of curtains that about whipped us, but uh, uh, it's done. Or well, they're done, but they're not done. They're bringing back four of them. They won't modify, and it wasn't anything we did. It's just they changed their mind after they got them up, and they were supposed to be here Friday, so they can get them coming Thursday, and they didn't. Won't answer the phone, so I don't know what they're. 
sleep over it. Now, these are industrial curtains. What yeah. do they separate? They're the ones that are made out of the cotton, heavy cotton dust. Mm-hmm. And, really and where do they hang them and why? Well, it's an Israeli plant down near Lewisburg, which is east of Raleigh. What I understand is they make car tops um, have these huge presses and glue machines. Mm-hmm. And the stuff is really strong smelling. Uh, um, the, the fumes off of this glue. And they have big vent fans in the roof that suck the air out of the building because of these fumes. And they're putting the curtains around these machines and it's drawing the air underneath the curtain and up around the machine and out the ceiling. And the curtains just kind of case the machine. I'm not sure how close to the machine they're mounted, but I know ones that we've got for modification or whatever just had this sticky glue all over it. I mean, Lord, I hate seeing those things back. I've used them a while. But, um, the reason they had to be doing them is apparently the, they told me it was the fumes and the glue that was eating the curtains up. I don't know if it is or actual glue itself that on these things. But it's all right with me. If they go bad, they got to get another one. But um, I don't know if some of the synthetics would be a better deal or not, but this is what they want, so that's what they get. Just, you know, the material. But that's that's what they're doing with them, and there's all sizes. And, um, well, they have a big oven, too, of some kind that they bake to do with this. And all of these things have curtains around Do we do Patricia? I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's my fault. I've been listening. Um, is this the same company that's been sending in orders repeatedly? Yes, it is. All right, so good. you've got a working relationship with these people. Well, how did they choose you in the first place, Howard? I mean, what well, there's a company here in Greensboro that builds the hoods and tracks and all for the curtains. That's who we're actually working for. And then they take them down there and install them over the machines and the tracks around the machines for the curtains. And first called me, had been to about everybody in town, everybody he could find. Nobody knew what he was talking about. They wanted this, this cotton duck material, OD cotton duck. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody could understand from his description what they wanted, and he went over to the place that Barbara used to work, tent company, and I know that guy knew, but being his inimitable self, he told him uh, he, did, he was not interested in them and all his stuff, and, I, and we were the, you know, the last resort he could find. And so as he started describing it, I knew exactly what he wanted, and well, he couldn't believe it. He had talked to people, and nobody understood what he was talking about. That's how we wound up. Yeah, the thing that bugs me the worst, though, is it's just two of us. And wow. Can't work as quickly as we used to, and 
They just absolutely worry you to death. I mean, he oh, doing three times a week. When can I get? When can I get that? Off a date, we're doing all we can do, and it just it it really gets annoying after a while. But we live with it and keep going. Yeah. Yeah, he reports to somebody who counts the number of phone calls oh, yeah. people make in a week. I know they're after him, too, but there's still not so much we can do. Of course. Of course. So. He, he goes back and he says, okay, I checked with them. That's the end of his responsibility. It really is. It's unnerving. Each time somebody calls like that, the temptation, the temptation is to say, well, it's now half an hour later than it was before you called. Yeah, and the, and the thing, too, is, like I said, it's just not so fast we can work. But keep, well, well, can I get these by next Thursday? Can I get them by Friday morning? Can I get them by Monday? And I keep telling him, I think you can get them by so-and-so. But things happen, and I cannot guarantee you that. And I hate giving an answer that I can't really guarantee. There's too many things to go wrong. Yeah, sure. And he just cannot understand that. And, and things do go wrong, and you cannot meet a deadline like that a lot of times, and I just hate giving one. And, of course, he don't want to take that for an answer. And... Well, you're also the only game in town, so you're entitled to say, some I, considerations here. I know, but I, I just get to the point sometimes it gets so aggravating. I don't, I don't, I've, I've almost come on the night of just telling him, you're going to have to find somebody else. We can't do this anymore. Well, he did get another company. And he did? Oh, yeah. But uh, How could he do that? He didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he didn't ah, know okay. who he was talking to. Number one, they're slow as syrup, and they make awnings. And that's about all they do. And they take their own sweet time about it, but he didn't know that. <laughs> And the other thing was, the woman found out what was going on and that we were making them. And, you know, we've known them for years and years and years. And she finally told him, she said, no, I'm not going around him to do this for you. If he wants me to do some of this, I'll do it. But as far as taking this and going with it, you can forget it. Well, that kind of put a wrench in the spokes. And, so he's back, but I, you know, with him actress like he is, I just get to the point, we can't do this anymore. You had to find somebody else. You need some more, don't call us. I haven't done that because I can't really afford to, but I've sure felt like But you know, if we were running the shop, we had 10 people working here and plenty of room, and we could turn them out quicker. But uh, yeah. we got one grunt moving stuff around and one person sewing. And it's just slow. And it's all by hand, basically, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're sewing the machine, but still, yeah, you got to cut it all out by hand. You got to um, move the stuff around, and a lot of it is hard to to move on the bare ones and get them through the machine and all that. But you know, we've developed a lot of tricks with it that improve things drastically. I can cut the all the material now, which I couldn't used to do. What we'd have to do would be pull it down the table, and of course the table is a little short on some of them, which is aggravating, but we're living with it. 
table is only 16 feet long, and I'd be a lot happier if it was 24. Anyway, um, we'd have to pull it down at the table, and the material is like 50, it varies to manufacture, about 59 inches wide. Comes in 50 or 100 yard rolls, depending on where you get it. And you get this thing up on the rack table, and you pull it each width, if the curtain, anything over, um, about 50 inches, how to start sewing it to, to get it wide enough to make like they're wanting. So we're making stuff from 36 inches high to 10 feet high. Mm -hmm. Well, we'd have to pull it down the table. Barbara would have to not hold the tape. She'd measure it, mark it. You'd have to put a square across the table. It's, you know, like a five-foot square across the table. But she couldn't reach all the way across. Then she had to come around the other side, mark it back, and then cut it by hand. And wow. this very time, would say we're running around the table like that. Well, I made a, um, had a piece of square tube and, and mounted a pin on the end of it at 90 degrees so she could reach all the way across the table. Well, that helped drastically, but it was still time-consuming. And I thought about doing it for years. We have a, what we call a cutting knife. It it laid on the bottom with rollers under it, and then the knife stands up that, and in the front of it is I've inch circular blade, all blade, of teeth on it. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Well, you know you can cut a lot with that, um, even stacking them up. But the way we have to do this, stacking them is not practical. So. She was still doing them by hand. And they make these things that run on a track, clamps to the table. It follows that track, and they have mm -hmm. them push them across, fall on the track. And they even make them that are powered tracks, and so it'll feed itself in return. We didn't have the money for anything like that. I thought about it for quite a while, and I said, I believe I can make a track for the knife we have. Because, see, we paid. Fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars for that knife. Wowzers! The track wouldn't go up considerably, and the power track wouldn't go up even more, and we didn't have the money for that. So I got some ten-inch wide aluminum and some half-half angle aluminum, and uh, it took me a while, but I made a track for that knife, and it's actually clamped to the table magnet. They're bolted. There's a bracket at the end of this track, and the magnet is bolted to that, and then it clamps to the frame under the table. These magnets have like 150 pull-off. So it stays in place quite well. But anyway, the end of the line of this is, see this track, about six and a half feet long across the table's five feet wide. It goes across right in front of the roll of material into the table. And I can measure the knife blade down to where the end needs to be, you know, where it's 12 feet or um, 14 feet or whatever it is on the table. Stop to it. So now I can pull the material down to the stop, spring clamp on it, go back, everything straight. There and 
run a knife across it, up, go on to the next. Well, see, I can do all this stuff, and Barbara's not even here, and that even becomes drastic. Um, then have the problem of getting this under a machine that's only got, you see, they're a seven or eight inch. Nobody wanted it, and they were getting 
but it's on domain, and it's it's big. So I told him I wanted it. No one of them to me. Well, then we had to have a grill in the front, back the door to have an air intake, air of it. Well, I can't get doors filling machine. They were out opening it. They had to have a 14 by 20 inch open so the grills go over. And I just I couldn't get in the milling machine. I finally had a machine shop up laser. Well, yeah, he thought he could do it. This went on for three weeks or more. Well, about two weeks coming Tuesday. He was going to be down. Yep. I'll be here all day. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen him yet. Still didn't come. Well, okay. really hated me, but that's about par for the course. People go do all kinds of things and don't. So I was in Lowe's last week, Saturday, a week ago yesterday. And I had one of these flashes of lightning, you know. I thought, well, <laughs> yes. an abrasive blade going a circular saw. I think I could cut this out myself. So I went around and found one. And uh, last night, sent out one of them, put the grill on it, and Thursday, I think, got out the other one, put the grill on it, so now the doors have got the grills on. I still got to do some fancy cutting of the plate, lower them out. One at the bottom, I got a rack for the heating, but the doors were the thing that was bugging me the worst. And, um, I get this other done, and I'll be able to hang up. You can you have switches to put in 2,200 watts at a time, so you run it 22, 44, 66, 88, 7,000 watts. Um, depending on what you need, and that makes. <laughs> I told one of the guys in Burlington on that this thing's called a new power happy machine. If you got this thing running wide open, uh, your your power meter goes around so fast then. But uh, it's better than freezing. But anyway, I agree. You, you you just have to figure out things, and it takes me longer now to figure it out. But I was to the point that do it or do without. So I did. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Harwood in North Carolina, and he's been missing in action for a while, so it's really good to talk with him again. So you come up with all of these fabulous ideas to solve challenges and problems that none of us even know about. Uh, you just, you're cool. And then you can even pickle possum or whatever you do with it. Oh, you smoke it, huh? Get me on pickle possum. I, I, I wouldn't dare tell you what that label says on that. On pickled possum? Yeah, there's another word involved, but I won't get into that. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, no, it's, you know, even when I was a kid, when, when my daddy was building a chicken house in the back or a shed and hog pen or whatever, um, you know, everybody helped. And I just learned how to do things, and then as I went on, I had to learn stuff. And mm -hmm. you, you, 
you just have to sit and figure it out. And I have to do things different from other people. I mean, I, I really couldn't mark this thing on the door, for example, and cut it out. Number one, it's very hard to hold a saw to get it through that in the first place because you have to. side of this board for a guide it's just clamp it clamps and um, once you make one cut then you move it to the next one and um, that's the way that's the way I have to get around mm -hmm. what somebody else would do I have no idea but we both wind up at the same place remarkable now you've got rolls of this fabric that you have to cut this is industrial weight stuff. How much does one of those rolls weigh? Uh, the last we got in here, I think it was in 50-yard rolls or five feet long and uh, about eight inches in diameter, 50-yard ones. Uh, I think they're about 90 or 95 pounds. I'm surprised it's not more. So how do you uh, hoist these? Yard rolls would be. It's just the way this outfit puts them up, so they're, uh -huh. it's, but uh, you just have to pick them up and get them on the table, and then you get them over near the rack, and there's a one-inch rod goes across the, the rack. you got to stand on each end. It's clamped to the table, and the rod lays across those stands on each mm -hmm. so You roll it over as close as you can, and then slide the rod through it, and uh, lift one end on at a time, unless you got somebody to help you, and if you don't, then yeah. you got to do it. Well, if that's part of my growing up Southern, I'm not going to be able to help. Well, I'm not going to graduate. <laughs> I'm just not going to graduate. I have to get used to this idea that I'm going to be kept after school or something. No, not Harley. No, there's a lot of people who just can't do that. I'm, I'm <laughs> they don't know how to learn Southern. <laughs> well, that's well, listen, other. you told me I had to do two things in order to qualify right. uh, to to pass my, my Southern test. Yep. You remember what those two things were? I didn't hear what you said. Do you remember what the two things you said that I had to I, do was, before I could graduate out of Southern school? There were three, and you said you had already done two of them, so you're ahead. I only remember one. I I didn't ride the mule. That's what you told me. I had to ride a mule bareback. Yeah. yeah. That's one of them. And it had to be a skinny one, you said. No, no, it don't have to be a skinny one. Anyone will do. Well, I'm, I'm happy for that because you told me about the bones. That That's not good. All right. So, and the other two? You know, you needed to know how to shoot. Oh, see, I can do that. That's right. Yeah, and the other one I did, too. Yeah, you did. So. Yeah, I did. So two out of three. Where am I going to find a mule? Well, they're around everywhere. You have to trust me. They're not everywhere. Well, I guess it depends on where you're looking. But they, All right. They are around. Walden, he went for a sandwich. I'm here. Oh, you are there. Did you go for a sandwich? Nope. Nope. I've been sitting here listening to a couple of southern people. Talk. No, one southern and one and one wannabe. Wannabe. 
Yes. When was the last time you came across a mule in California? Uh, out in the desert. They're out there. So if you needed to, I was going to say lay your hands on a mule, but I guess that, that that's the way. If you had to lasso a mule, it would be within driving distance for you. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, actually, and, actually um, there's probably some mules three blocks from my house. I can't do this by proxy, Harwood, huh? <laughs> Not really. I, I no. You know, All the, right. the, the, the fairgrounds where we keep animals are three blocks from my house, so we. They're three blocks. Okay. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> I have mules. not. I haven't seen a mule in this area. I've seen little donkeys. Okay, but how not about mules. let's Google up mule, mules in Florida. That way we can we can track down where the nearest mule is for Patricia. He doesn't need any help, Walt. <laughs> I'm in trouble enough. Now, Hollywood, don't you think she needs to find a mule? Do what, Walter? She, she needs to find one, don't you think? That's right. I now, have to find a mule if I want to graduate. I think, I think you should Google it up and see where the nearest mule stable is. Or as, well, as yeah. Jethro Bodine would say, graduate. Yeah. Well, you know, around this area and all, and I, do, I guess they do in a lot of places, you, you have these... Um, well, I know you know what a tractor pull is mm -hmm. and truck pulls and all this kind sure. of stuff. Sure. Yep. But they have the same kind of deal for teams of horses and mules. And, and these are high-dollar animals, let me tell you. It's like all the money they put in tractors and trucks for this kind of purpose. But um, they show, you know, what all teams can do and, and all this kind of stuff. And um, there's an awful lot of horses and mules used in ranching and farming that a lot of people don't seem to realize. I, I know one guy that um, uh, Red Steagall had on his show, mm -hmm. I think he uses six mule, uh, six horses like hay. And Red said, well, wouldn't it be a lot better to use these rollers and a, and a tractor and all this kind of stuff? And he said, no. He said, I can build big haystacks by myself because... You can just tell the horses what to do. They will do it. it wow. It's like a voice control machine. Wow. <laughs> and it, it's it's easier and faster the way I'm doing it than what you're talking about. But in these pools and all, you know, they have teams of mules or horses or whatever showing what they can do. And uh, uh -huh. um, if one ever comes near you, you need to go. It's uh, it can be amazing. Hmm. All right, Harwood, what's a mule horse? I've heard the term, but I really don't know because mules can't have mules. No, and no, and I just opened a site and there are all horses in there. It has to come from a horse somewhere. I think it's one of those deals, that, and I may be all wet here. I'm not saying I'm right, but it's kind of like people that talk about in South they eat hominy grits. There is no such thing. There is hominy, and there are grits. But there are no hominy grits, unless you mix them together. I don't think I've ever had hominy. Well, I like grits. Does that count? Uh, well, it's just a, a, a bigger, coarser version, the same thing. Okay. But All right. you hear, especially people up north talking about, well, we eat hominy grits. Well, there ain't no such thing. Well, I've got... Um, 
when we're talking, it's just incredible. They're talking mule horses, an Appaloosa mule, and it's a mare. We've got a pair of John mules, and they're geldings. Now, you and I both know that there's something wrong here. Yep, there is, and I don't understand why they're doing I don't understand either. I wonder if it's a term that they use for for workhorses? No. A gated black John mule. This is a gate horse. That's, mm-mm. All right, let's see. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, while you're pondering your next problem, I'm going to find out what a mule horse is. Uh, you, you have work horses and you got mules, and mules work. Yeah. Horses do. They're just more stubborn. Definition, um, well, we've got a mule. We know what a mule is, horse mule. Definition of a horse mule. No, they're giving a definition of a mule, not a horse mule. Mule, female horse, we know that. I don't know, horse terms. Maybe. That's, that's somebody that... Mule barn. Maybe that's somebody that thinks if it's got four legs, it's big and got two ears. Listen, if they geld it, it's, it's, you know, it's not tough. Um, I don't know. Let me see. Horse mule. We don't want a horse mule. We want a mule horse. Well, let me try a different search engine. Isn't this awful? I depend on you for these things. Well, that one I do not know the answer to because to me it doesn't make sense. But that mule horse donkey, mule horse, mule horse shoes, mule horse. Oh, let's see what a mule horse is. <laughs> we don't want a mule. Uh, we know what a mule is. We want a horse mule. Horse mule. Say it. Horse mule. Hold on. This uh, Tuesday, mm-hmm. I will be interviewing Mo Howard's daughter. So if you're a fan of the Three Stooges, I'm going to be talking to his daughter. This week, we'll be pointing out a future uh, show. And they're having a Three Stooges convention in Philadelphia next weekend. So if you love the old Three Stooges movies and things like that, and if you're in the Philadelphia area, uh, I guess they have an annual convention over there. Never knew that. Oh my goodness. Long life family, I think. I guess so. 
and the owl crooks. <laughs> They're all bad. They're yeah. all bad. The no, occupation. Absolutely amazing. This is Yesterday USA. Hardwood's over there. And Patricia's here trying Patricia's to figure here. out Wrong what they mean by a mule horse. All right, here we go. Now this is this is the. I'm so inexperienced, really dead broke. She was a beginner mule. What the heck is a beginner mule? Uh, a a baby. Uh, well, now here's here's a thought. Do you know? Never mind. <laughs> I'm so confused here. When you have a mule. Which is the female and which is the male that produces what? the Isn't the it a female a donkey? No, no. And a male I, well, horse. I, that's what I'm asking, Harwood. Is the female the? It has to be the horse. Well, the horse female is the horse and the donkey is the sire. No, I think it's the other way around. Okay, a uh, horse is it's only a male. A mare is a is a female. A mare. Well, I'm I'm asking a horse. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Yes. Um. Do you know I'm not which, which which way it is? I really don't know. And I'm wondering if that would make a difference in the product, the end product. Most likely, yes. I really can't see why. It just... I don't, I don't know. It, it gets back, it sounds like to me, it's like people... If... You know, if it weighs a thousand pounds, got four feet and two long ears and a tail, they don't know the difference between a horse or a mule. So, you know, to them, a horse—that's where they're calling it a horse mule. <laughs> I mean, it covers everything, so to speak. No, these people look like they know what they're talking. About. One, one is um, the gender is a cult. They've got a young one here. Yeah. After 35 years in the mule raising business, we are actually going to work toward retiring. So, I'm going to have to do some research, Harwood. Well, you know, I, I'll put that on my to-do list. I have only worked with a few and ridden a few, so I don't claim to be an expert. Well, if you're going to make me ride one, I need to know what I'm riding here. Oh, you'll know. <laughs> All right, male donkey and female horse. That's the mule. So if we do it the other way around, that's going to be one very sore little donkey. Hmm. What is a mule? We know what a mule is. Okay, well, I'll have to do some homework on this. And if anybody has any ideas about what a horse mule is, you can give me an email. Wouldn't that be well? That's good. That's really good. Oh, I got some emails. Maybe somebody's going to tell me what a horse mule is well, or a mule horse. Was it a horse mule or a mule horse? thought you said a horse mule, but anyway. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, well. Well, I've got to quit wasting your time. I'll make two comments here. About the Mason Dixon line, there's only one thing you need to know is to make sure you're always south of it. You sound like we got a train in the background. Yeah, it just went through the bedroom window and around the foot of the... Do you know, for all the times 
you have called us over the years. Isn't that terrible? Two years. Three years. That's only the second time we ever heard the train. Well, it's only because I haven't called you that often. Now, this one goes through only one time a day? Oh, gosh, no. We have trains, trains, trains. It's not as high as a lot of places have them, but um, sometime at night they're running every 19 to 20 minutes. But that's, Ooh. that's not always. Yeah. Huh. Well, how about that? Well, are you going to answer a question? I will try. All right. You will try. Let me see. Are you in the market? Let me see here. No Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Not going to do that one. Um, all right. Which horse had the speed of light and kicked up a cloud of dust? Very good. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can a horse what? pick how can a horse pick up a cloud of dust? Kick can... kick like oh, kick with oh, a foot. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know. The phone loses No, I always clarity. I, I always I would think I was just thinking as a kid listening pick up a cloud of dust. Oh well. Kick. Well, I don't think you about Jerry and his um ham. Yeah. Um have you ever heard of putting Coca-Cola in a hamburger? No. When you make it, it is, I, I think any carbonated drink would do. It's just everybody says Coke. That's what it uses. But they don't get dried out and hard when you're cooking them. Uh-huh. You know, if you get them well done. Does it taste sweet? It, Well, that sounds reasonable, but does the meat taste sweet from the sugar in the cola? No, you don't put a whole lot in it, but it just doesn't get dried out and hard. But uh, other than that, I mean, you wouldn't know it unless somebody told you. Yeah. All right. Do you put it in your possum, too? Arwood was going to send us, what were you going to send us, smoked possum? And it was roadkill. No, it was canned possum. Well, it, for Christmas a year ago. Yeah, it was supposed to be canned possum. I can't find that place I got that from, but I found another one. But they only have Kentucky canned possum, so. <laughs> well, it's okay. Um, don't do it on the air. Maybe you ought to go and see what they have. Yeah. It's the Roadkill Canning Company. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, um, you don't listen, drink. you know, I am I am in such a generous mood lately and I know that hunger is a problem in the country, so I would like to donate mine to the local food bank. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's real generous of you. It, so it, it, <laughs> Uh, you told me you wanted to re-gift your gift. <laughs> re-gift it, right. That's it. That's it. Just, just, you can just bypass your your drop. Yeah. Sure. Sure. You can just eliminate the middleman in this. Yeah, just send it and put, put it from you. Yeah. Oh, please do. That would be nice. 
You're talking about they wouldn't. Mail. They wouldn't believe it, but it's nice that you would do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were talking about ginger ale. Yeah. Uh, ginger ale ham. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know that there. Most people know about the ordinary ginger ale, but when we sold soft drinks here, uh, we had all kinds, and um, I think Canada Dry was who the brand of, of ginger ale we sold. But they also had a caravan ginger, and it was carbonated too, but it was a whole different animal, and they had it in a different bottle, but that, that thing was full of ginger. Huh. It was um, almost like drinking a pepper drink. Wow, that's a lot of ginger. Oh, it was really hot. Uh, most people just called it a hot ginger, but the actual name the company had on was caravan ginger. And I don't even know if you can find that anymore. I haven't really been looking for it. But uh, I'd usually drink one, two, three times a year, and that was about it. I, you know, warm them all the time. But. Who bought Caravan Ginger or Ginger Ale? Who did what? Who bought, Who bought it? Who liked not, to drink it? I uh, say we don't sell any of that anymore. And no, I don't know. no, I un I understand that. But when you did sell it, I know that you had the store. Who would who was your customer for that? Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. Um, just everyday ordinary people. Just some drank that and some didn't. I mean, you know, we had things like knee high grape and orange and peach and strawberry, and we had uh, Coke and Pepsi, obviously, and Dr Pepper and stuff like that. Um, then the ginger ale, the, the regular ginger ale, and then the caravan ginger, and um, we sold enough of it to keep it. So I never stopped to ask about why they were buying it. Yeah. How interesting. Most well, that's something that you had to develop a taste for. It's not something you tasted and said, oh, boy, this is good. I, I do think it is a thing that, that you have to have a taste for, and most people I don't think would want it. It wasn't it tasted bad or anything, because it didn't. It was just hot. And I guess you just had to want that kind of thing, but yeah. enough to have it. Hmm. Okay, what show can I send you? I knew you were going to ask that, and yeah. I don't have an answer. Um, Give me a category that you're in the mood for. Like adventure or cowboys or comedy? Uh, Drama? Detective stuff probably would be best, but I can't think what I don't have. Um, unless you got some suggestion. I think I probably... Leave it to me. Will you trust my judgment? Completely. Completely? Ooh, I must be getting close to graduation. Until I find that different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I've got uh, some pretty interesting stuff that I have added since the last time we talked, and I'll pull something out of that pile, and I think you'll enjoy them. I will. Y'all have fun. Sorry. All right. I'm so glad that we heard from you. We always get concerned when we don't hear from you for a while. So glad you called. Thank you. Sure thing. See you later. Oh, yeah. Okay, bye-bye. That was Harwood from North Carolina, who is trying to teach me how not to be so Yankee. But, you know, 
You really, hard. you really consider yourself to be a Yankee? I'm a Yankee. I'll, I guess I'll, you know, it's like a Southerner. You know, like um, Leela? Leela? She was a Southerner no matter where she lived. So, uh, well, I guess I'm a Yankee no matter where I live. Could could you think you could get down talk like Leela? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think people who try to put on a Southern accent sound like people who try to put on a Southern accent. I Although she did remarkably well. You got a good ear, though. You, I bet you could do a Southern um, dialect. I think if I hang around people, like if I spent a day or two uh-huh. living in an area that was very regional in the way they pronounced words, I, I think I could probably do it, but not before. I would have to hang around people and Observe. practice the sounds. Yeah. But it's a very... There are so many different sounds. Like in Florida, we have easily five, six, or seven different accents in different parts of the state. So have you picked up uh, Fort Myers accent yet? The Southwest Florida accent. Yeah, you know, and and it's really sad because the older people who inherited these sounds and these accents and pioneered the areas, their families have all just as everybody else's families kind of separated and moved into different places and we keep getting more and more newcomers and the pool is diluted. So you don't hear these sounds very much anymore. And they're just beautiful. I can pick up a Southwest Florida accent. It, it's just such a, such a smooth, soothing sound. The pronunciations are just wonderful for some of the words. I miss it. Ah. Uh, it's only 20 before 1 in the morning here on the West Coast. Only. Only, he says. I oh, had a nap. Oh. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I know. You did really well. I did. I can tell you stuff. Oh, look at all of the stuff that we've got tonight. We've got comedian quotes and Pooh Bear and your questions and New Jersey and... um. Eggs and coins and a figure show and useless but fun. What would you like? I say let's play a figure show. Let's play a figure show. That way we, you and I can stretch. You can take a you can take a shower. Okay. <laughs> you think I need one, huh? Uh, no, just to wake you up. Just to wake me up. Okay. And I can go grab a snack. Okay. Well, so I say, let's do that. And that means we'll be back. Uh Were you able to pull the one, the show from March? What? March 18th, 41? March. I do do have it. I I wonder if we played this one before. But I have it, we'll play it again. Well, no, I couldn't remember if, it's the one where Fibber is drafted, right? Right, right. That's what I have. And, gosh, I'm sure we played that. Very recently. Yeah. So how come I still was dragging it around? Shame on me. I don't know. What did we have from last week? I think April twenty April twenty fifth or something. Forty four. I think it was April twenty five or forty four. You are most assuredly right. And I can go get that. And gee, I didn't even write it down. Oh, me of no faith. Well. 
how about you just pull up whatever you like? Well, I, what you want me to go get the April twenty fifth show? Sure, if it's only if it's immediately available. Well, I, I can go play a show featuring next week. Doesn't matter. Surprise me. Oh, you sure about that? Uh huh. Okay, let me go get my box. All right. While you're digging through your box, I'm going to give a couple of more goodies about New Jersey because, my gosh, they really did have some fabulous stuff. The game of Monopoly. All of the streets are from New Jersey. Atlantic City, of all places. Um, now, this one, Dan is going to perk up on this one, and he'll give us a call later. New Jersey has more racehorses than Kentucky. I think that's pretty cool. At the same time, they also have the highest cost of living and property tax and auto insurance rates in the country. So this is not good. This is not good. Um, what else do we have here? The Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, most people think, are in New York, and they are not. They are in New Jersey. How about that? Um, famous people. Now, these are all people who were born in New Jersey. Okay. On the New Jersey sites, they've got thousands of people, and I went through every one of them to make sure that these people were born there, and they didn't just have, um, you know, kind of a, you know, uh -huh. except Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley and her husband spent many years after she did her thing in the Wild West, they lived even... Even the address on Grant Avenue in Nutley, New Jersey, from 1892 through the turn of the century. Annie Oakley and her husband. Do you know what her husband's name was? Wild Bill? No. No, they never got together. Frank Butler. Yes. I never heard of Frank yes, Butler. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, that was the name of the guy uh -huh. when, the, when the famous Broadway show uh, came out. Annie Get Your Gun. That was her love interest. That, well, it turned out to be her husband. Ah. How about that? I didn't recognize the name. See, you're so good at this. Do you know both the Norman Schwarzkopf's were born in New Jersey? I did not know that. Norman Sr. was born in Newark, mm -hmm. and Norman Jr. was born in Trenton. Well, wow, famous. And you know a famous person who was born in New Jersey? I know several. Pardon? I know several. You know several. Well, who was born in New Jersey, and it pops into mind immediately? Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra was born in Hoboken. Right. Luke who Hus else? Luke Costello was born in New Jersey. Correct. Uh, my adorable Patricia was born in New Jersey. But uh, Abbott was also born in New Jersey. Yeah, was he really? Yeah. I, th I didn't know that. I thought they met up on the circuit somewhere. Mm -hmm. And they might have because they weren't born in the same town. But right. Abbott was born in Asbury Park, and Lou Costello was born in Patterson. Patterson, yep. Count yep. Basie. Ah, okay. And here's, uh, this is not your presidential question for tonight, but only one elected president Woodrow Wilson. was born in New Jersey. Well, he was a governor, but he was born in North Carolina. Um, right. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, Benjamin. Was it Benjamin Harrison? Or was it V.B. Hague? 
Neither one of them. Hmm. I don't know. Grover Cleveland, ah. which surprised me. He was born in Caldwell, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and he was the only president we ever had who was born in New Jersey. Very and good. Woodrow Wilson was the only other person who spent time in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, he was president of Princeton before... Princeton University. You know, Very that, good. That was interesting. You know, he was, I think he went from president, then governor, and then to the White House, if I remember the That's line. correct. Yeah. That is correct. And he was not born in New Jersey. No, but he China. made all of these accomplishments from New Jersey. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good. Aaron Burr. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. Aaron Burr. Um, born in Newark. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Springsteen. Born in the USA. Mm-hmm. Long Branch, New Jersey. James Fenimore Cooper. The Deerslayer and other stuff. Okay. Jerry Lewis was born in Newark. Okay. I didn't know that. I never knew where he was born. Did you know that? No, I didn't ring a bell, but I'm not surprised. Hmm. He sounded like he kind of, well, I mean, he sounds like he's from the Northeast. Yeah, I always thought he was New York, but... No, he was Newark, which is not very far from New York by any means, but Newark has that really strong sound, too. John Travolta was born in... Do you know where? Nope. Englewood. Oh, well, that was, that was the uh, bedroom community where the music industry lives. Uh-huh. I and, remember. And uh, my, my friend Kitty Callen has her, one of her homes in Inglewood, New Jersey. I've been in there. Inglewood? Very nice. Also, Very uh, nice town. Yeah, also uh, Tony oh. Bennett lives there. And Paul Robeson was born oh. in New Jersey. Okay. Rich Greenberg will be very happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, Paul Rosen is one of the people he admires so much, or admired, admires. I guess he admires, mm-hmm. even though Paul Robeson isn't with us any longer. Right. Ricky Nelson. Oh, well, I just had his son on here a couple of weeks ago. We'll be running that interview. When, which of the twins? Um, uh, the older one, by 30 minutes, Matthew. You <laughs> measure it in minutes. That's funny. That's funny. But Ricky Nelson and I were born in the same hospital. Oh. And what town is that? Not not quite in the same town. Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck, okay. In Teaneck, New Jersey. And we weren't there quite at the same time, no. but in the same hospital. I thought that was pretty cool. That's my single connection to famous people. And, of all people, Robert Blake. Robert Blake. Robert Blake, who got a reputation later on that is not the most desirable, but he was also one of our little beavers. That's true. That's and he true. walked around with a cockatoo on his shoulder for a million years. <laughs> yeah. And that's all the all the people I put on my list. Nice. That's a good one. So you list. want to play a show now and then we come back? Uh-huh, I do. Okay, which one did you pull? I thought the one we were supposed to play last week, April 25th, 1944. Oh, that's good. Which one was it? I don't know. We'll find out when we play it. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Okay, well, we're not too far off. I mean, I was a little early with April last week, mm-hmm. and now we're just a couple of days late, so we're in the same week here. Right. And we could do that. So whatever it is, it's going to be fun. And Patricia will have her notes and tell us all about it after the fact. After the fact. I'll go look and see what we what we're playing. Okay. You ready? All right. 
We'll talk to you in a little bit. Hi, everybody. Here we go with Femi and me back in back. 2930. This is Yesterday, USA. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. cleaning in any year is certainly nothing to write poems or songs about. But in a year like this one, when we're all so busy and there's less help around, any shortcut in the work is most welcome. If your floors, furniture, and woodwork have been regularly protected during the year with Johnson's Wax, you'll know right away what I mean. You'll understand how much easier it is to do a thorough job of cleaning than it was before you adopted wax housekeeping. Dirt just doesn't stick to a waxed surface. Woodwork and windowsills that have been waxed don't get nearly as dirty and are ever so much easier to clean. And if you've Johnson waxed your accessories, picture frames, lampshades, ornaments, pantry shelves, just to mention a few, then you've eliminated much of the drudgery of spring house cleaning. If you haven't been using Johnson's wax to protect and beautify your home, then this is a mighty good time to begin. Johnson's Wax comes in three convenient forms, paste, liquid, and the cream wax, especially formulated for furniture and woodwork. two men with big bags on their backs who bring you things, Santa Claus and the mailman, the mailman has about 300 more chances a year to surprise you. Like just now, when he is approaching 79 Wistful Vista with a special delivery letter in his hand. All unbeknownst to Fibber McGee and Molly. What were your plans for today, dearie? Oh, I don't know. Thought I might drop in at the Elks. Then go past the cigar store for a minute and see who the guys have elected the next president. <laughs> Maybe stop at the bank on my way home. At the bank? Blood bank or First National? Hmm. Blood bank? Who's got any money? <laughs> well, I was just thinking that... Come in. Oh, good morning, mailman. Morning. Is your spouse in the house? <laughs> <laughs> if you mean is my guy standing by, yes, he is. McGee, the mailman, wants to see you. What's on your mind, my little civilian sad sack? <laughs> What's on your mind? And haven't we met before someplace? Sonny. What? I said, Sonny. I used to meet you frequently when I was drinking sodas at Grayman's Drugstore. A member? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. How come you left Kramer's to deliver mail, bud? Well, Washington don't seem to consider drinking sodas an essential industry. Delivering mail is an essential industry. 
So forthwith, and without more ado, I am now a mailman in essential industry. And here's a special delivery for you. Oh, much obliged. Are you going back to Kramer's drugstore after the war, son? Yeah, probably. Huh? He <laughs> says, probably. What do you mean, probably? I mean, probably. P-R-O-B-A-B-L-Y. Probably. <laughs> well, much obliged for the letter, bud. I'll see you again. Hey, wait a minute. You'll have to sign for... What? Now, what's the matter? Don't I articulate this thing? <laughs> I says you'll have to sign for... <laughs> he means Weasel have to sign for it, Molly. No, not Weasel, just Usel. <laughs> okay, just measles. <laughs> Where do I sign for it, bud? <laughs> bomb line. Which line? Bomb, bomb. <laughs> Look, B O T T O M, bomb. Oh, well, there you are, bud. Thanks. It's okay. All the days, week. <laughs> Who's the letter from, dearie? I don't... Well, I'll be... Hey, look. It's from my cousin, Roy McGee, in Portland, Oregon. Oh? Last time I heard from that guy was in 1930, and he wanted to borrow 20 bucks. Well, times are better now. Maybe he wants to borrow 100. Yeah. <laughs> you get the same reply he got in 1930. Which was with the, what? Well, uh, I can't spell it. It's just a noise you make with your tongue. <laughs> now, let's see. Have a look here. Dear Fibber. I don't know whether you... And your wife... Here in Portland, Oregon. Take complete charge of... Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is wonderful. This is marvelous. Well, that's nice. Someday, when we're walking hand in hand up some quiet country lane in the hush of the evening... Maybe you'll give me just a tiny little hint of what it's all about. Not that I want to be Snoopy, sweetheart. Why, it's from my cousin Roy. He wants us to come to Portland, Oregon and live in his house this summer. Yeah? Seems he owns a string of canneries, wants me to take complete charge of them. He says if I make good, he'll turn one of them over to me. What do you know about the canning business? Anything Roy McGee could learn in 15 years, I can learn in two days. Boy, oh boy, imagine me in charge of six canning factories What do you suppose he can? I don't know Besides you, when he finds out how much you don't know about canning <laughs> Well, let me see, Portland, Oregon That's salmon and tuna fish country And cherries Tuna fish and cherries? Mm. Who'd eat a combination like that? <laughs> we wouldn't can them together Hey, maybe that wouldn't be so bad I've seen worse combinations in tea room salads <laughs> Tuna fish and cherries Oh, well, we'll see about that later <clears throat> Much later First thing we gotta do is sell this house Sell this house? Oh, now, McGee Gotta make a clean break, baby Can't run a canning plant in Portland, Oregon And keep my other pants hanging in Whistle Vista <laughs> Gotta put the house up for sale Hand me the phone Oh, dear, you're so impulsive Here Thanks Hello, operator Give me the Whistle Vista real estate and escrow Oh, is that you, Mert? Oh, dear <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? Tis, eh? What's say, Mert? Sidney, the grocery boy. He did, eh? Did she scream? Did who scream, McGee? Mert's kid sister. Why should she scream? Sid kissed her. Oh. <laughs> what say, Mert? No, let's not try it again. Okay, I'll call later. Just going to put the house up for sale. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Going to Portland, Oregon, Mert. Yep. Going in the canning business. Canning business. 
Don't say anything about it yet, Mert. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Real estate office is busy. Oh, dear. I love that business about telling Myrtle to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. That girl spills more beans than a Navy cook in a hurricane. <laughs> I know that, Tootsie. And inside of three hours, everybody in town will know we're moving to Portland. Saves making a formal announcement. I see. She's a one-woman secret service with no secrets. Mert couldn't keep a secret if she was blindfolded, gagged, bound, and buried under 40 feet of cement. No. <laughs> when she was given the gift to Gab, she took it back and got a larger size. Yeah. <laughs> that kid collects more wrong dope than a narcotic squad, and to her, the word truth is just part of a radio show called And Consequences. Yeah. <laughs> Mert means well, but her sound wasn't wired for brains. And she uses green lipstick so her mouth won't have to stop. She's the only girl known to medical science whose tongue has worn out three faces. Oh, dear. The only reason they gave her that job on the ground floor of the telephone exchange was because they knew Mert could never run down. (laughs) She was vaccinated with a... Billy Mills and the orchestra play Here It Is Monday. is a 19-7 almanac. Yeah. She makes more noise and less sense than a broken record of a Japanese lecture on flower arrangement. You're right. She can take a veiled hint and build it up into a three-act play with 12 scenes and an oleo. She's the kind that burns the scandal at both ends and she gushes like a broken water main. Besides that, she talks too much. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I guess that takes care of Myrtle. You betcha. I hope you never sit down and start really analyzing my qualities, dearie. I did that long ago. You did? And you come out of it a very noble character. Oh, my. (laughs) (sighs) Shall I try that again? (laughs) Now, let me see. Oh, yeah, this wire to Roy. I I still think you're rushing into something you're pretty ignorant of, Hmm? You don't know anything about the canning business. So what? Did Eisenhower know anything about Africa? Did Bob Hope know anything about toothpaste? 
Let alone Miriam Zerium. Now, what do you think of this telegram to Roy? Well, let me see it. Roy K. McGee, Portland, Oregon. Your offer comes at a difficult time as I have had several propositions from big syndicates in the East. Mm-hmm. What big syndicates? You ever hear of Frawley, Bullfinch, Hammerfelt, and Crump? <laughs> no, did you? No, did Roy? <laughs> I see what you mean. Betcha. Well, now, let me see. It says here, however, family ties are stronger than mere money offers, so you may consider Portland deal okay with me. Please have small gymnasium and steam room installed in my office, as I believe in executives. To learn more. I agree. Let's see. Geography. Mason Dixon Line. Agree. Now, is it... Or she... The, isn't the, well, now, where is the Appalachian Mountain Range? Isn't that another big dividing line on the, in the east? It's, yes, north to south, and it goes right up into New York. I don't know about how much farther north it goes there. Well, let's see. Um, boundary between Pennsylvania and northern Maryland. Pennsylvania. Well, it looks like the original dividing line is what we're living with today. Is that possible? Missouri Compromise. Hold on. Um, over 50 years later, the boundary between the two states along the Mason-Dixon line came into the spotlight with the Missouri Compromise in 1820. The Compromise established a boundary between the slave states of the South and the free states of the North. Right, However, its separation of Maryland and Delaware is still a bit confusing since Delaware was a slave state that stayed in the Union. How's that for confusion? The boundary became referred to as the Mason-Dixon line, and it doesn't say anything about it being extended to Missouri. The whole thing, just the whole line that appears in a current map is the same one that we saw earlier across the southern border of Pennsylvania and south along the Delaware border, Delaware-Maryland. Hmm. It doesn't go anywhere else. Is that possible? I thought it went farther than that. What do you know, Jerry? I don't know. Huh. <laughs> now, see what you made me do? I know. Well, we get to learn something. More homework. Let's see. How far are you from Annapolis, Jerry? Uh, about two hours. Dope, but that's a pretty good ride. Yeah. How long does it take... Now, mind you, this is from somebody who used to drive it, but uh, from the northernmost point in Maryland to the southernmost point, how many hours or how many miles? Either one. Or those. Uh, well, Maryland really runs east and west. Uh, when you go to the, the southern part, there's a part that runs out down by the cave down where the uh, Naval Air Station. That's actually, but that is a pretty good hike. That's, that's a good, uh, probably... I don't know, so, you know, you have to go through, pretty much go through the city, probably three hours or so. That's a pretty good run. A couple times. That's not an awful lot. We can deal with that. Oh. All 
it looks like that's the whole Mason-Dixon line. How about that? I never knew that. Well, I never did either. I really thought it went farther west, like out to the Mississippi at least. Well, I never knew what the Mason-Dixon really... If I did, I, I sure don't remember why we yeah. even had a Mason-Dixon to begin with until you read it tonight. I, I was only joshing, like... Mason lived in New York, and Dixon lived in South Carolina. <laughs> but no, I did not know it was sort of a dis dispute between the British colonies. I didn't know it was a dispute. No, I, I knew it was a survey line, but I didn't know why. Hmm. How about that? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. And it doesn't go as far west as I thought it did. So, Jerry, did he get a present or anything, or did he just get fed? No, nah, just, just fed, yeah. You get kind of fed. What I want, there's nothing I need, you know? Yeah. I don't, I, you know, material stuff, there's nothing I need. Uh, just, just good having a bunch of people around. Got a good story for you about the baby. You always ask me about the baby, Patricia. Yeah, please. Uh, he, uh, yeah, I got horseshoe pits out here, and, and uh, he's watching everybody pitch horseshoes all the time. Uh-huh. So, yes, you know, of course, wouldn't let him around them when they're pitching because it's pretty to get hit. And, uh. So yesterday he went out there by himself here before when there was nobody going around. He went out there and started uh, pitching horseshoes by himself. And, uh, are you serious? Those things are heavy. Yeah, he, he was uh, pitching all four shoes, and he was getting four ringers every time. Then he'd <laughs> take them back the other way, throw four ringers every time. Yeah. Now, how much distance between him and the, the, the stake? The, the stakes are 40 feet apart, but... He, you know, he couldn't throw them that far, so he would pick up no. the shoe, walk all the way to the other end, drop it around the around the stake, <laughs> <laughs> get the other one, bring it up there, drop it around the stake. <laughs> oh, that's that funny. There, he would sit there and stare at him like he's counting the points. And, yeah, and yeah. Then he'd take them back the other way. <laughs> and he'd bring them back on the other end. Well, if he couldn't do it your way, he would do it his way. Yeah, he would that's cute. There about two dozen times, you know. <laughs> uh. Wear him out a little bit anyway. He is a high-energy kid. Wow. That's cute. That is really cute. Well, are you going to answer a question? Yeah, first I wanted to ask you about uh, last week. You were asking about uh, uh, Walden said something about the song on White Night and he was talking yeah. about the TV show and you were going to watch and listen for him. Did he do it, Patricia? No. Uh-oh. Oh, was man. that my homework? Uh -oh. <laughs> you had them on the list, the things to do. I was, oh, wait, I have to make a new list here. I was supposed to, I did, however, I looked up the information when we were talking about soldiers being drafted with limitations. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the word limitations? Yeah, I, remember, I remember you telling me off the air that you've got that one figured out. Right. So you got that, yep. you got your first part of your homework done. Well, that was my first part, and then I was supposed to do what? Let's Look do, at the, an episode of the White, whatever. No. What, was the, what was the name of the TV show, Jerry? Uh, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, and I was supposed to watch an episode. Uh huh. Uh, you said you uh, were, and then there was a white. Uh, the song, the White Knight. Song, the White Knight. Yeah. And you know, I was supposed to watch it, huh? Listen to it. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm a failure. All right, moving on. Watch an episode. Go to YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Go to YouTube. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. I'll do it right now, okay? Sure. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Okay, I wrote it down on my list. If I don't write it down, it doesn't get done. I'm very sorry. I was supposed to do that. Do you have a recipe that you grew up with that just doesn't taste the same today if you try to make it or somebody else tries to make it? Uh, not really. There's only one that I've, I've never been able to find it. And uh, my stepfather, I remember one time he... Uh, you know, yeah, these people do these shows like, uh, uh, what do you call them, plasticware, uh, Tupperware thing. Mm -hmm. They come to your house and they have a place right. and sell Tupperware. Well, he let somebody come to the house one time to sell cookware. And the guy cooked a meal and he, of course, he let 50 people over to feed him, you know. Uh, he uh, he cooked a ham and he made a ham gravy that had ginger ale or ginger in it. And I've never been able to find a recipe anywhere. I never heard anybody know anything about it. But I remember that was some real good gravy that you made. Ginger gravy for ham, and this was a smoked ham. Uh, I think it was canned ham. A canned ham, okay, but not a fresh ham like a chunk of pork. Uh, no, it was, a, it was like a canned ham and. Uh, canned ham, okay. All right. So ginger, ginger. Either ginger ale or ginger or something in it. But I remember it was really good. That was that gravy you made with that. Well, if I find it before you hang up, do I get a prize? Uh, sure, you get to make it. normally for? I mean, that's, you know, you always see a candorized ginger ale, but generally, what's ginger ale normally used for? Mixing drinks and for drinking. Right, that's about it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like root beer. What's except it's ginger. Oh, it's, it's, it'll, it's good for settling and some other upset stomach, too. Yeah. Yeah, but anytime anybody ever that I know of ever got ginger ale for an upset stomach, somebody went and took the bubbles out of it. Okay. You know, you had to drink the stuff flat. Right. Uh, ginger ale without bubbles just isn't ginger ale. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got a recipe for ginger glazed ham. And you put a sauce in the pot and two or three liter bottles of ginger ale. Put three two-liter bottles of ginger ale. How much are they cooking here? Uh, he's never used anything like that. No, that's not right. Um, maple syrup, ginger mustard sauce, how to make how to make gravy from baked ham. Alright, let's see. Okay, and if I, if I get it, if I do this right, then I get a prize. If you do this, how to make if you do gravy it. from, okay. Are you going to make it for Junior if you do it? <clears throat> Start you do with that? half a ham, score the outside, cut fresh pineapples, fasten the pineapples, we know that, maraschino cherries mm. in between, um, one liter of Vernon's sugar-sweetened ginger ale over the ham, bake it for three and a half hours, 
And if you can't find Vernon's, add a quarter teaspoon of dried ginger to a liter of any dry ginger ale. The baking process yielded about three quarts of, li of liquid with an aroma of ginger cloves, da, 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 pour off the liquid, including the scrapings, boil to reduce to a thicker, sweet, syrupy mixture. Thicken by using cornstarch, just like you would with gravy. And there you are. Uh, you have to email with that link. How about I, I can do that, and I can just copy this and send it in an email. You know, what recipe this is. I mean, it's like home-cooked stuff. It's not uh, a chef or anything. It came out of somebody's kitchen. Yes, How about that? Okay. My, there's something my dad and I were talking earlier this week. How do you make maraschino cherry? Is that really a cherry dipped in sugar sauce? I mean, or you grow it that way? Well, you don't grow it that way. It's in a, in a syrupy sauce. Right. Hold on. Let me send Jerry. Homework, homework, homework. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to do one thing at a time. I have to send Jerry the food. Um, hold on. This is Patricia cooking. Patricia Kitchen. Oh, I tell by, you what. Hosted you know, by Long Hughes. We got Danny Thomas and ginger ham and what else? Mason Dixon line uh -huh. and, and what else? Lots of stuff. Jerry. We're a very gourmet show. And... Okay. Oh, no, that's not the right one. Um, Jerry, give me the first two letters of your email address. That's J-O. J-O. Well, <laughs> you're in here somewhere, but it's not coming up. All right, I got your email address. I'll send you something. Do that, and um, then I can just reply with yeah, this okay. little... Gizmo here. And then what am I supposed to do, Walden? Man oh, there she knows. cherries. I like those myself. Very sweet. Mm -hmm. Maraschino cherries. And let's see. Maraschino cherries. Wikipedia. Preserved sweetened cherry, typically from light colored sweet cherries. I have to read the rest of it here. Hold on. Um, I call it sweet cherries. In their modern form, the cherries are first preserved in a brine solution. How about that? Brown? Uh, and they're bleached and then soaked in a suspension of food coloring and other, and then they put in sugar syrup. And that's about it. Huh. Just red sugar syrup, and bleached cherries. <laughs> bleached cherries, good grief. That's what it says. Wow. So it must have a little bit of a, a snap to them because they soak them in brine first. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does have a little snap? Uh -huh. You know, like a little singer? It, well, it's, it's very distinct, very sweet. Ah, okay. Now, whole cherries preserved in liqueur were originally known as maraschino cherries. First Croatian time, yeah, first origin. time I remember, what I remember them, just being your drink, like when you used to order a Shirley Temple or a, uh -huh. a Roy Rogers, they would put a yep. maraschino cherry. Yep. 
cherries were first, these cherries were first introduced in the United States, and they were served in fine bars and restaurants. By the turn of the century, American producers were experimenting with flavors such as almond extract. And, you know, you give people a perfectly good food, and they'll find any way they can to mess it up. Decreasingly popular alcoholic variety was illegal as well in during Prohibition. That's where the alcohol in these things went. Hmm. How about that? Okay, Prohibition was repealed in 1933. Food and Drug Administration revisited the federal policy toward canned cherries. It held a hearing about cherries. <laughs> Can you imagine this? It held a hearing in 1939 to establish a new standard of identity for maraschino cherries. Can you imagine they held a special meeting about cherries? You think it was a taste test? Um, Do you think Congress spent some money to have taste the maraschino cherries? I don't see? know. This was the Food and Drug Administration. They, somebody had too much time on his hands. Uh -huh. Unreal. Anyway, that's that's maraschino cherries. Sugar syrup. Right. Used to have alcohol. All the fun was taken out, Walden. I'm sorry. I still love him anyway. I'm very sorry. So, all right. Well, we found your recipe, so this is good. And if you send me an email, I'll send you the link. And then you have to answer a question so I can send you some shows. Let's see here. <laughs> Bickersons. We did Bickersons already. Um, yeah, I heard you say that nobody ever asked for the Bickersons. You, you sent me some one time. Yeah. And, uh, oh, when I'm, you're right. Did you ever listen to any of them? I've, I've, yeah, I've had some on, uh, you know, for for a long time. I've listened. I, I love listening to them. I, in fact, my uh, my ten year old grandson has a. Uh, well, they all do. They have these uh, MP3 players. Right. Uh huh. And I put some of the Bickersons on there for him, you know, instead <laughs> of the stupid music they want to listen. That's funny. That's funny. What? All right, so we'll give you Bickerson's question then. Bickerson's was sponsored. Spon I'm not doing too well tonight, am I, Walden? You're doing really good. All right, and I have the rest of Susie Sells Seashells, too. Oh, good. All right, the Bickerson's was sponsored by Dreen, D-R-E-N-E. -E. What was Dreen? It's multiple choice if you need some help. All right. It was toothpaste, dish liquid, you know, dishwashing liquid, wrinkle remover, or shampoo. Oh gosh. Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to get get them all wrong on this one. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go with that third one, wrinkle remover. I know that was wrong. Wrinkle remover? No. We're down to one out of three. Shampoo, toothpaste, or dishwashing liquid. Uh, we'll try dishwashing liquid. Down to one out of two. You're going to do it, Jerry. I know it. You're going to get it. Shampoo or toothpaste? Toothpaste. Let's try toothpaste. One out of one. All right, Jerry. We're going to get it now. Is it shampoo or shampoo? <laughs> shampoo or shampoo. Let's, let's go with shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's shampoo. Dream shampoo. Well, then what was the whole thing about... Do, do you remember the entire line? I was trying to think. Um, a dream girl, dream girl. That's what it was. Dream girl, dream, dream girl, girl, dream girl. Beautiful luster, green girl. No, that's luster cream. Yeah. Um, 
Hmm. Well, all right. We'll right, figure it you out. You better look it up on the internet. Everything else is up I will there. look it up on the internet. What shows do you think you might like, Jerry? Oh, I don't know. Like I say, you sent me some Beckersons one time. Did you, did you have any more of those? Or? No, I put in everything that I had. And, uh... Are you in the market for comedy or westerns or detective or yeah, either, either. adventure? Comedy or western sounds good. I like, uh, you know, I like all the comedies a lot. Comedies. All right. Well, let me see what ones you've had here. Why you saying it? Why, you, why are you doing that? Let me throw you a uh, trivia question. All right. Oh wait, wait. No, I get to ask. I don't have to answer. Because <laughs> we're talking about the the uh, uh, Mason Dixon line. Yeah. Uh huh. You got me thinking of uh, Lewis and Clark. Did you ever hear about the about that uh, rifle they carried with them? That no. It's so bad that. Uh, this is how this is how Lewis and Clark was able to cross the country, and the Indians never bothered them because every time they go to a new area, they would demonstrate this rifle they had. No kidding. And uh, it was so powerful that the Indians said they, they'd rather they'd rather be friendly than fight. Wow. Is that true? Yeah, and it was an air. Oh rifle. my word! It was an air rifle. An air rifle. Hmm? You mean like a like a Red Rider type BB gun? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my word. You know, I think I think Lewis and Clark were gone so long they thought they were dead. Right. You know, they never. But they they carried. They had one air rifle they carried with them, and uh, they they convinced the Indians that their everyone was equipped with this rifle, uh, and it was about the size and weight of a musket, about ten pounds. And wow. Inches or so. How did they survive? How did they hunt? Yeah. Well, this air rifle would. would uh, uh, it, they could. It held 22 rounds in the magazine, and it could fire 32 rounds without losing velocity. And it, it fired a 50 caliber musket ball, or I think it was a 46 caliber, uh, and uh, at about the same velocity as a modern day uh, 45 ACP pistol. Wowzers! And, uh, Boy, am I impressed! All right, now they they had a magazine of 32. 22 in the magazine that could fire 32 rounds before it had to be recharged. 32. Oh, okay. All right. I misunderstood. So where did they get the pellets or the musket, they musket rounds? They were lead, lead musket balls. Same thing a musket fired with powder. So where did they get it on this long journey? Well, I imagine they had to pack them with them. That's an awful lot of weight for an awful lot of travel, and then they had to come back. Right. Oh, my word. You know, we'd still be in Philadelphia if you depended on me. <laughs> we'd never get out of there. Okay, you want me to send you a comedy? Just pick a comedy that I think you might like? Sure. Okay, I can do that. Comedy it is. Pick a comedy for Jerry. I can do that. I am very good. So, all right. Well, Jerry, you have yourself a wonderful week. And um, if you feel like calling us after the coffee is done, we'll be here. All right. Okay, Jerry. Thanks a bunch. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. 714. And, and then I have to watch a movie or a, a television show, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
You want the rest of Susie Seashell's uh, type stuff? Yes. All right. 714. Go ahead. I'm ready. Never mind. Hello there. You're on the air. Hello. I said, howdy, y'all. Oh. How in the world are you? Wow, William, full of flaves. Are you okay? Yeah, I just, um, kind of creepy, I think. But anyway, I guess I'll get over it. I hope. You're in trouble hearing me, apparently. Well, I, I can... No, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm I missed a couple of words there, and it's my equipment. Walden's going to get me fixed up with something that matches my ears. Uh, but t- um, t- how are you feeling, and how are you doing? Oh, about the same as usual, I guess. It's always will be something, and that's the way life is. But uh, I'm getting there a little bit long. Well, we sure have missed you. Well. I don't know, it just uh, hasn't seemed opportunity to call for some reason, so I haven't. I've, well, I'm falling behind on my lessons and everything. Yeah, I know it. I've, I've thought about it. Um, I was looking the other day and saw a place selling canned possum, and I... <laughs> <laughs> and you thought of me. I sure did. Not too hard, though, right? still haven't got over that. I'm, I'm still dithering. Uh, of course, you and Walden both. I'm sure he'd love to have some. Of course. Oh, my goodness. Canned possum. This is good. Harwood was trying to teach me how to be a Southerner. Well, maybe not how to be a Southerner, but to be less Yankee. Would that be acceptable? Well, no, but it's the best we can do, I guess. <laughs> You are so hopeful on so many fronts. This is not one of them. Well, sure I am. I mean, you know, at least we're giving you an opportunity. To do what? To to try to improve yourself and all, but... (laughs) (laughs) You're hopeless, so... Do you think Patricia could be a sudden bell someday? Well... Or a -a (laughs) ding-a-ling. One or the other. He he wanted to know if I could be a Southern Belle, and I said maybe a Dingaling. Oh well, there's a lot of those walking around, but I really want to call them Southern Bells. <laughs> uh, I get. I don't think I'll ever make a Southern Belle. I'm not even going to make Southern. Just, I've disappointed my teacher. You just got to put effort into it. I'm I'm putting as much effort as I thought I could, but apparently it's not enough, so I have to try harder. Yeah, right. Well, something's, it's worth doing, it's worth doing right, you know, you always hear that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What, what's on my lesson plan for tonight? Well, I really didn't realize I was going to call until the last minute, so I didn't do one. I got Oh. Call. Okay. See, he, see, he he took your teacher took sympathy on you because he didn't prepare a lesson plan on you, Patricia. So yeah. Well, knew, that's nice. That's, knew, that's really nice because yeah. I'm I'm just kind of wiped out tonight, 
and I'm messing up and I'm tripping over words and I would disappoint you. So I'm, I'm really glad that I don't have a test tonight. Okay. So what's been happening in your area of the woods? Well, the same thing. We had a, another batch of curtains that about whipped us, but um, um, it's done. Or well, they're done, but they're not done. They're bringing back four of them. They won't modify, and it wasn't anything we did. It's just they changed their mind after they got them up, and they were supposed to be here Friday, so they can get them coming Thursday, and they didn't. Won't answer the phone, so I don't know what your guess about that. Losing sleep over it. Now these are industrial curtains. What yes. do they separate? They're the ones that are made out of the cotton, heavy cotton duck. Mm-hmm. And, and where do they hang them, and why? Well, it's a Israeli plant down near Lewisburg, which is east of Raleigh. What I understand is they make car tops, um, have these huge presses and glue machines, mm -hmm. and the stuff is really strong smelling. Uh, um, the, the fumes off of this glue, and they have big vent fans in the roof that suck the air out of the building because of these fumes. And they're putting the curtains around these machines, and it's drawing the air underneath the curtain and up around the machine and out the ceiling. And the curtains just kind of case the machine. I'm not sure how close to the machine they're mounted, but and they ones that we've got for modification or whatever just had this this heat glue all over it. I mean, Lord, I hate seeing those things back. Used them a while, but. Um, the reason they had to be doing them is apparently the, they told me it was the fumes and the glue that was eating the curtains up. I don't know if it is or actual glue itself that on these things, but it's all right with me. If we go bad, they got to get another one. So, but um, I don't know if some of the synthetics would be a better deal or not, but this is what they want, so that's what they get. Just, you know, the material. But that's that's what they're doing with them, and there's all sizes. And, um, well, they have a big oven, too, of some kind that they bake to do with this. And all of these things have curtains around. Did we lose Patricia? I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's my fault. I've been listening. Um, is this the same company that's been sending in orders repeatedly? Yes, it is. Well, so good. you've got a working relationship with these people. Well, how did they choose you in the first place, Howard? I mean, what well, there's a company here in Greensboro that builds the hoods and tracks and all for the curtains. That's who we're actually working for. And then they take them down there and install them over the machines and the tracks around the machines for the curtains. And first called me, I had been to about everybody in town, everybody he could find. Nobody knew what he was talking about. They wanted this, this cotton duck material, OD cotton duck. Mm-hmm. 
nobody could understand from his description what they wanted. And he went over to the place that Barbara used to work, tent company. And I know that guy knew, but being his inimitable self, he told him uh, he did, he was not interested in him and all this stuff. And I, and we were the you know the last resort he could find. And so as he started describing it, I knew exactly what he wanted and what he couldn't believe that. He had talked to people and nobody understood what he was talking about. That's how we wound up. Yeah, the thing that bugs me the worst, though, is it's just two of us. And wow. Can't work as quickly as we used to. And they just absolutely worry you to death. I mean, he'd call two and three times a week. When can I get, when can I get that? Oh, for they were doing all we can do, and it just, it it really gets annoying after a while, but we live with it and keep going. Yeah. Yeah, he reports to somebody who counts the number of phone oh, calls yeah. people make in a week. I know they're after him, too, but there's still not so much we can do. Of course. Of course. So. He goes back and he says, okay, I checked with them. That's the end of his responsibility. It really is. It's unnerving. Each time somebody calls like that, the temptation, the temptation is to say, well, it's now half an hour later than it was before you called. Yeah. And, and the thing, too, is, like I said, it's just not so fast we can work. But he keeps, well, well, can I get these by next Thursday? Can I get them by Friday morning? Can I get them by Monday? And I keep telling him, I think you can get them by so-and-so, but things happen, and I cannot guarantee that, and I hate giving an answer that I can't really guarantee. There's too many things to go wrong. Yeah, sure. And he just cannot understand that, and and things do go wrong, and you cannot meet a deadline like that a lot of times, and I just hate giving one. And, of course, he don't want to take that for an answer. And, well, you're also the only game in town. So you're entitled to some considerations here. I know, but I, I just get to the point sometime it gets so aggravating. I don't, I don't, I've, I've almost come on the night of just telling him, you're going to have to find somebody else. We can't do this anymore. Well, he did get another company. And, he did? Oh, yeah. But uh, How could he do that? He didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he didn't ah, okay. know who he was talking to. Number one, they're slow as syrup and they make awnings. And that's about all they do. And they take their own sweet time about it, but he didn't know that. <laughs> and the other thing was, the woman found out what was going on and that we were making them. And, you know, we've known them for years and years and years. And she finally told him, she said, no. I'm not going around him to do this for you. If he wants me to do some of this, I'll do it. But as far as taking this and going with it, you can forget it. Well, that kind of put a wrench in the spokes. And so he's back, but I, you know, with him actress like he is, I just get to the point, we can't do this anymore. You have to find somebody else. You need some more, don't call us. I haven't done that because really afford to, but I've sure felt like But you know, if we were running the shop, we had 10 people working here and plenty of room, and we could turn them out quicker. 
But uh, yeah, we got one grunt moving stuff around and one person sewing, and it's just slow. And it's all by hand, basically, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're sewing the machine, but yeah, you got to cut it all out by hand. You got to um, move the stuff around and. A lot of it is hard to, to move on the bare ones and get them through the machine and all that, but, you know, we've developed a lot of tricks with it that improve things drastically. I can cut the all the material now, which I couldn't used to do. What we'd have to do be pull it down the table, and, of course, the table is a little short on some of them, which is aggravating, but we're living with it. Our table's only 16 feet long, and I'd be a lot happier if it was 24. Anyway, um... We'd have to pull it down at the table, and the material is like 50, it varies to manufacture, about 59 inches wide. Comes in 50 or 100 yard rolls, depending on where you get it. And you get this thing up on the rack table, and you pull it each width, if the curtain, anything over um, about 50 inches, you to start throwing it to, to get it wide enough make like they're wanting. So we're making stuff from 36 inches high to 10 feet high. Mm -hmm. Well, we'd have to pull it down the table. Barbara would have to not hold the tape. She'd measure it, mark it. You'd have to put a square across the table. It's, you know, like a five-foot square across the table. But she couldn't reach all the way across. Then she'd have to come around the other side, mark it back, and then cut it by hand. And Wow. This very time would say we run around the table like that. Well, I made a, um, had a piece of square tube and, and mounted a pin on the end of it at 90 degrees so she could reach all the way across the table. Well, that helped drastically, but it was still time consuming. And I thought about doing it for years. We have a, what we call a cutting knife. It, it laid on the bottom with rollers under it and then the knife stands up and in the front of it is have a circular blade, all blade, of teeth on it. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Well, you know, you can cut a lot with that, um, even stacking them up. But the way we have to do this, stacking them is not practical. So she was still doing them by hand. And they make these things that run on a track, clamps to the table. It follows that track, and they have... Mm -hmm push them across, fall on the track, and they even make them that are powered tracks, and so it'll feed itself in return. We didn't have the money for anything like that. I thought about it for quite a while, and I said, I believe I can make a track for the knife we have. Because, see, we paid dollars $1,500 for that knife. Wowzers. The track wouldn't go up considerably and the power track wanted to go up even more and we didn't have the money for that. So I got some 10 inch wide aluminum and some half half angle aluminum and uh, it took me a while but I made a track for that knife and it's actually clamped to the table magnet. They're bolted there's a bracket at the end of this track and the magnet is bolted to that, and then he clamps to the frame under the table. These magnets have like 150 pull off. 
So it stays in place quite well. But anyway, the end of the line of this is, see this track? About six and a half feet long across the table's five feet wide. It goes across right in front of the roll of material into the table. And I can measure the knife blade down to where the end needs to be, you know, where it's 12 feet or um, 14 feet or whatever it is on the table. Stop to it. So now I can pull the material down to the stop, spring clamp on it, go back, get everything straight there and run a knife across it, up, go on to the next See, I can do all this stuff, and Barbara's not even here, and that even becomes drastic. Um, then you have the problem of getting this under a machine that's only got, it's either a seven or eight inch needle in the When we were doing camping tents, repairing them, the stuff under that arm with her. That would absolutely wear you to a frazzle. So, I got the bright idea of folding lengthwise to a small cross section, so to speak. Get the same, the same with a needle with And add it right on the front of the machine to a smaller one, and put them on there. And they feed good, and I just grew. several other things we did, but, um, you know, it helped drastically, but I told that guy one day, I said, you know, if you came with this order, you want to know when you could get it, and I told you you'd have it in 30 minutes, you'd want to know if I couldn't do it in 10, but I think he got the message here, he was still pushing, but, um, you know, we've I hope you did. You know, you've, you've got one of the most clever minds I have ever encountered, and you always amaze me with the kind of creative solutions that you come up with to these kinds of challenges. You're remarkable. We, well, I don't think so, but you, you just, you have to. Um, you have to think out. Now, right now, I'm building a heater. We didn't lost the, the heater we had out there. And it has just been so cold. Well, years ago, I'm, I'm diverging just a little here, but there's a point. I have a uh, 10,000 watt gasoline generator. And I tried for years to get the thing converted to natural gas. I was stupid by not buying it that way in the first place. That was one of my mistakes. Well, I found a guy to convert it. And uh, anyway, um, I needed a load bank tested. Um, you know, under heavy load, more than mm -hmm. we normally run it at. Well, I got some oven elements that were 2,200 watts a piece. I could have in oh. the kitchen stove. Got five of them, so I had 10, uh, 11,000 watt load. Wowzers. I never built, I did build a frame to hold the elements, but that was as far as I ever got. Well, back when it was so cold and I got to thinking about the heater, I thought, well, Maybe I've got about everything here. I had an old floor out of a furnace, or a cage, and I had these elements. So 
then I got to think, well, I need a cabinet. Well, I know you don't know about repeater cabinets and large radio cabinets and their various heights, but the most common ones are about 21 by 20 inches left and right, and they will vary anywhere from four to six feet high. And you've got a door on the front and back of them and put the back rails inside that you rack mount equipment on. I heard two guys talking on the um, two-meter repeater in Burlington, and they had a bunch of equipment. A guy in South Carolina had died or something, and they were trying to sell for his wife. And they had a rack, a um, repeater cabinet. Nobody wanted it, and they were getting them. Well, it dawned on me, man, it's this trick. So I told him I wanted it. Now, what I'm doing. me. Well, then we had to have a grill in the front back the door to have an air intake air of it. Well, I can't get doors to the filling machine. They were out opening it. They had to have a 14 by 20 inch open for the grills go over. And I just, I couldn't get in the milling machine. I finally had a machine chop up laser. Well, yeah, he thought he could do it. This went on for three weeks or more. Well, about two weeks. Coming Tuesday, he was going to be down. Yep. I'll be here all day. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen him yet. Still didn't come. Well, okay. really hate me, but that's about par for the course. People go do all kinds of things and don't. So I was in Lowe's last week, Saturday, a week ago yesterday. And I had one of these flashes of lightning, you know, and I thought, <laughs> an abrasive blade going a circular saw. I think I could cut this out myself. So I went around and found one. And uh, last night, sent out one of them, put the grill on it, and Thursday, I think, got out the other one, put the grill on it, so now the door's got the grills on. I still got to do some fancy cutting of the plate. Lower them out. One at the bottom. I got a rack for the heating. But the doors were the thing that was bugging me the worst. And um, when I get this other done and I'll be able to get this thing up, you can you'll have switches to put in 2200 watts at a time. So you run it 22, 44, 66, 88, 7000 watts. Um, depending on what you need, and that makes. <laughs> I told one of the guys in Burlington on the repair that this thing's called a new power happy machine. If you got this thing running wide open, um, that your your power meter goes around so fast you can see it. But um, it's better than freezing. But anyway, I agree. You you, you just have to figure out things and. It takes me longer now to figure it out, but I was to the point that do it or do without. So I did. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Harwood in North Carolina, and he's been missing in action for a while, so it's really good to talk with him again. So you come up with all of these fabulous ideas to solve challenges and problems that none of us even know about. Uh, you just, you're cool. 
And then you can even pickle possum or whatever you do with it. Oh, you smoke it, huh? Yeah, me on pickle possum. I, I, w- I wouldn't dare tell you what that label says on that. On pickled possum? Yeah, there's another word involved, but I won't get into that. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, no, it's, you know, even when I was a kid, when, when my daddy was building a chicken house in the back or a shed and hog pen or whatever, um, you know, everybody helped. And I just learned how to do things, and then as I went on, I had to learn stuff. And mm-hmm. you, you, you just had to sit and figure it out. And I have to do things different from other people. I mean, I, I really couldn't mark this thing on the door, for example, and cut it out. Number one, it's very hard to hold a saw to get it through that in the first place because you have to. to the side of this board for a guide. It's just clamps. It clamps, and um, once you make one cut, then you move it to the next one. And um, that's the way That's the way I have to get around. Mm-hmm. And what somebody else would do, I have no idea, but we both wind up at the same place. Remarkable. Now, you've got rolls of this fabric that you have to cut. This is industrial weight stuff. How much does one of those rolls weigh? Uh, the last we got in here, I think it was in 50-yard rolls or five feet long and uh, about eight inches in diameter, 50-yard ones. Uh, I think they're about 90 or 95 pounds. I'm surprised it's not more. So how do you oh, hoist these? yard rolls would be. It's just the way this outfit puts them up, so there uh-huh. it is. But uh, you just have to pick them up and get them on the table, and then you get them over near the rack, and as a one-inch rod goes across the, the rack, you got to stand on each end. It's clamped to the table, and the rod lays across those stands on each mm-hmm. so You roll it over as close as you can and then slide the rod through it and uh, lift one end on at a time unless you got somebody to help you, and if you don't, then yeah. you got to do it. Well, if that's part of my growing up Southern, I'm not going to be able to help. I'm not going to graduate. (laughs) I'm just not going to graduate. I have to get used to this idea that I'm going to be kept after school or something. No, not hardly. No, there's a lot of people who just can't do um, um. (laughs) that. They don't know how to learn Southern. <laughs> well, that's well listen, you told me I had to do two things in order to qualify right. uh, to to pass my my southern test. Yep. You remember what those two things were? I didn't hear what you said. Do you remember what the two things you said that I had to I, do before th- I could graduate out of southern school? There were three, and you said you had already done two of them, so you're ahead. I only remember one. I I didn't ride the mule. That's what you told me. I had to ride a mule bareback. Yeah. yeah. That's one of them. And it had to be a skinny one, you said. No, no, it don't have to be a skinny one. Anyone will do. 
Well, I'm, I'm happy for that because you told me about the bones. That That's not good. All right. So, and the other two? You know, you needed to know how to shoot. Oh, see, I can do that. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, and the other one I did, too. Yeah, you did. So. Yeah, I did. So two out of three. Where am I going to find a mule? Well, they're around everywhere. You have to trust me. They're not everywhere. Well, I guess it depends on where you're looking. But they, All right. They are around. Walden, he went for a sandwich. I'm here. Oh, you are there. Did you go for a sandwich? Nope. Nope. I've been sitting here listening to a couple of southern people talk. No, one southern and one, one and one wannabe. Wannabe. Yes. When was the last time you came across a mule in California? Uh, out in the desert. They're out there. So if you needed to, I was going to say lay your hands on a mule, but I guess that, that, that's the way. If you had to lasso a mule, it would be within driving distance for you. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, actually, and, actually um, there's probably some mules three blocks from my house. I can't do this by proxy, Harwood, huh? <laughs> I, I no, you know, the, right. the, the, the fairgrounds where we keep animals are three blocks from my house, so we. They're three blocks. Okay. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I have mules. not. I haven't seen a mule in this area. I've seen little donkeys, okay, but how not about, mules. Let's Google up mule, mules in Florida. That way we can we can track down where the nearest mule is for Patricia. He doesn't need any help, Walt. <laughs> I'm in trouble enough. Now, Hollywood, don't you think she needs to find a mule? Do what, Walter? She, she needs to find one, don't you think? That's right. I have no. to find a mule if I want to graduate. I think, I think you should Google it up and see where the nearest mule stable is. Or as, well, as uh, Jethro Bodine would say, graduate. Yeah. Well, you know, around this area and all, and I, do, I guess they do in a lot of places, you, you have these... Um, well, I know you know what a tractor pull is mm -hmm. and truck pulls and all this kind sure. of stuff. Sure. Yep. But they have the same kind of deal for teams of horses and mules. And and these are high-dollar animals, let me tell you. It's like all the money they put in tractors and trucks for this kind of purpose. But um, they show, you know, what all teams can do and, and all this kind of stuff. And um, there's an awful lot of horses and mules used in ranching and farming that a lot of people don't seem to realize. I know one guy that um, uh, Red Steagall had on his show. Mm -hmm. I think he uses six mule, uh, six horses back hay. And Red said, well, wouldn't it be a lot better to use these rowers and a, and a tractor and all this kind of stuff? And he said, no. He said, I can build big haystacks by myself because... You can just tell the horses what to do. They will do it. it wow. It's like a voice control machine. Wow. <laughs> and it, it's it's easier and faster the way I'm doing it than what you're talking about. But in these pools and all, you know, they have teams of mules or horses or whatever showing what they can do. And uh, uh -huh. um, if one ever comes near you, you need to go. It's uh, It can be amazing. Hmm. All right, Harwood, what's a mule horse? I've heard the term, but I really don't know because 
mules can't have mules. No. And no. And I just opened a site, and there are all horses in there. It has to come from a horse somewhere. I think it's one of those deals. That, and I may be all wet here. I'm not saying I'm right. But it's kind of like people that talk about in the South, they eat hominy grits. There is no such thing. There is hominy, and there are grits. But there are no hominy grits unless you mix them together. I don't think I've ever had hominy. Well, I like grits. Does that count? Uh, well, it's just a, a, a bigger, coarser version of the same thing. Okay. But All right. you hear, especially people up north talking about we eat hominy grits. Well, there ain't no such thing. Well, I've got, um, when we're talking, it's just incredible. They're talking mule horses. An Appaloosa mule, and it's a mare. We've got a pair of John mules, and they're geldings. Now, you and I both know that there's something wrong here. Yep, there is. And I don't understand why they're doing I don't understand either. I wonder if it's a term that they use for for workhorses? No. A gated black John mule. This is a gate horse. That's, mm -mm. All right, let's see. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, while you're pondering your next problem, I'm going to find out what a mule horse is. Uh, you, you have work horses and you got mules, and mules work. Yeah. Horses do. They're just more stubborn. Definition. Um, well, we've got a mule. We know what a mule is. Horse mule. Definition of a horse mule. No, they're giving a definition of a mule, not a horse mule. Mule, female horse. We know that. I don't know. Horse terms. Maybe. That's, that's somebody that... Mule barn. Maybe that's somebody that thinks if it's got four legs, it's big and got two ears. Listen, if they geld it, it's, it's, no, it's not tough. Um, I don't know. Let me see. Horse mule. We don't want a horse mule. We want a mule horse. Well, let me try a different search engine. Isn't this awful? I depend on you for these things. Well, that one I do not know the answer to because to me it doesn't make sense. But that doesn't Mule horse donkey, mule horse, mule horse shoes. Mule horse. Oh, let's see what a mule horse is. <laughs> I don't want a mule. Uh, we know what a mule is. We want a horse mule. Horse mule, say it. Horse mule. Right, hold on. This uh, Tuesday, mm -hmm. I will be interviewing Mole Howard's daughter. So if you're a fan of the Three Stooges, I'm going to be talking to his daughter. This week, we'll be pointing out in a future uh, show. And they're having a Three Stooges convention in Philadelphia next weekend. So if you love the old Three Stooges movies and things like that, and if you're in the Philadelphia area, uh, I guess they have an annual convention over there. Never knew that.
that I really was surprised to notice. The Lone Ranger, mm -hmm. even back earlier one, the head on him, name was Kevin. Remember that? Kevin? Cavendish. Ah, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I was reading a book. Um, well, I'm not through with it. The bad guy in that's name, Cavendish. Ah, okay. On these TV shows, I was talking about the old shows. The other night, I was listening an episode of Bewitched. The crooked politician's name was Kevin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> long life family, I think. I guess so. And the owl crooks. <laughs> They're all bad. They're yeah. all bad. The, uh, the occupation. Absolutely amazing. This is yesterday, USA. Hollywood's over there. And Patricia's here trying Patricia's to figure here. out long what they mean by a mule horse. All right. Here we go. Now, this is, this is the... I'm so inexperienced, really dead broke. She was a beginner mule. What the heck is a beginner mule? Uh, a, a baby. Uh, well, now here's here's a thought. Do you know? Never mind. <laughs> I'm so confused here. When you have a mule, which is the female and which is the male that produces what? the, Isn't the it mule? Isn't a female a donkey? No, no. I, well, I, that's what I'm asking. Harwood is the female. The, it has to be the horse. Well, the female is the horse, and the donkey is the sire. No, I think it's the other way around. Okay, a uh, horse is, is only a male. A mare is a is a female. A mare. Yeah, well, I'm I'm asking a horse. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Yes. Um. Do you know I'm not which 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 way it is? I really don't. And I'm wondering if that would make a difference in the product, the end product. Most likely, yes. I really can't see why. It just... I don't, I don't know. It, it gets back, it sounds like to me, it's like people... If, you know, if it weighs a thousand pounds, got four feet and two long ears and a tail... They don't know the difference between a horse or a mule. So, you know, to them, a horse, that's where they're calling it a horse mule. <laughs> I mean, that covers everything, so to speak. I don't know. These people look like they know what they're talking about. One, one is, um, the gender is a cult. They've got a young one here. Yeah. After 35 years in the mule-raising business, we are actually going to work toward retiring. So... I'm going to have to do some research, Harwood. Well, you know... I'm, I'll put that on my to-do list. I have only worked with a few and ridden a few, so I don't claim to be an expert. Well, if you're going to make me ride one, I need to know what I'm riding here. Oh, you'll know. <laughs> All right, male donkey and female horse. That's the mule. So if we do it the other way around, that's going to be one very sore little donkey. Hmm. What is a mule? We know what a mule is. Okay, well, I'll have to do some homework on this. 
And if anybody has any ideas about what a horse mule is, you can give me an email. Wouldn't that be well? That's good. That's really good. Oh, I got some emails. Maybe somebody's going to tell me what a horse mule is. Well, or a mule horse. Was it a horse mule or a mule horse? thought you said a horse mule, but anyway. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, well. Well, I've got to quit wasting your time. I'll make two comments here. About the Mason 6 and 9, there's only one thing you need to know is to make sure you're always south of it. Sounds like we got a train in the background. Yeah, it just went through the bedroom window and around the foot of the Do you know, for all the times you have called us over the years, isn't that terrible? Two years. Three years. That's only the second time we ever heard the train. Well, it's only because I haven't called you that often. Now, this one goes through only one time a day? Oh, gosh, no. We have trains, trains, trains. It's not as high as a lot of places have them, but um, sometime at night they're running every 19 to 20 minutes. But that's, Ooh. that's not always. Yeah. Huh. Well, how about that? Well, are you going to answer a question? I will try. All right. You will try. Let me see. Are you in the market? Let me see here. No Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. I'm not going to do that one. Um, all right. Which horse had the speed of light and kicked up a cloud of dust? Silver. Very good. I'm, I have wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can a horse, pick, how can a horse pick up a cloud of dust? Kick, kick like, oh, kick with oh, a foot. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. I know, the phone loses no, I a always, clarity. I, I would think, I was just thinking as a kid listening Pick up a cloud of dust. Oh, well. Kick. Oh, well, I don't think you... About Jerry and his um, ginger ham. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of putting Coca-Cola in a hamburger? No. When you make it? it is, I, I think any carbonated drink would do. It's just everybody says Coke. That's what it uses. But they don't get dried out and hard when you're cooking them. Uh-huh. You know, if you get them well done. Does it taste sweet? And I really think it's just the carbonation that's what causes it. Well, that sounds reasonable, but does the meat taste sweet from the sugar in the cola? No. You don't put a whole lot in it. But it just doesn't get dried out and hard. But, uh... Other than that, I mean, you wouldn't know it unless somebody told you. Yeah. All right. Do you put it in your possum, too? Well, they're pretty soft already. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Harwood was going to send us, what were you going to send us, smoked possum? And it was roadkill. No, it was canned possum. Well, it, for Christmas a year ago. Yeah, well, it's supposed to be canned possum. I can't find that place I got that from, but I found another one. But they only have Kentucky canned possum, so. <laughs> well, it's okay. Um, don't, do it, don't do it on the air. Maybe you ought to go and see what they have. 
Yeah. It's the Roadkill Canning Company. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, you don't listen. Agree. You know, I am I am in such a generous mood lately, and I know that hunger is a problem in the country. So, I would like to donate mine to the local food bank. Uh-huh. Well, that's real generous of you. And Patricia, uh, you told me you wanted to re-gift your gift. Re-gift it, right? That's it. That's it. Just, just you can just bypass your your drop. Yeah. Sure. Sure. You can just eliminate the middleman in this. Yeah, just send it and put put it from you. Yeah. Oh, please do. That would be nice. You're talking about they wouldn't mail. they wouldn't believe it, but it's nice that you would do that. <laughs> right. You were talking about ginger ale. Yeah. Uh, ginger ale ham. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know that there. Most people know about the ordinary ginger ale, but when we sold soft drinks here, uh, we had all kinds. And um, I think Canada Dry was who the brand of, of ginger ale we sold. But they also had a caravan ginger, and it was carbonated too. But it was a whole different animal, and they had it in a different bottle. But that that thing was full of ginger. Huh. It was um, almost like drinking a pepper drink. Wow, that's a lot of ginger. Oh, it was really hot. Uh, most people just called it a hot ginger, but the actual name the company had on was Caravan Ginger. And I don't even know if you could find that anymore. I haven't really been looking for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd usually drink one, two, three times a year, and that was about it. I, mm. You know, warm them all the time. But. Who bought Caravan Ginger or Ginger Ale? Who did what? Who bought it? Who liked to drink it? I say we don't sell any of that anymore. No, no, I I understand that. But when you did sell it, I know that you had the store. Who would? Who was your customer for that? Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. Um, Just everyday ordinary people. Just some drank that and some didn't. I mean, you know, we had. Things like knee-high, grape and orange and peach and strawberry, and we had uh, Coke and Pepsi, obviously, and Dr. Pepper and stuff like that. Um, then the ginger ale, the, the regular ginger ale, and then the caravan ginger, and um, we sold enough of it to keep it. So I never stopped to ask about why they were buying it. Yeah. How interesting. Well, that's something that you had to develop a taste for. It's not something you tasted and said, oh, boy, this is good. Well, I, I do think it is a thing that, that you have to have a taste for, and most people I don't think would want it. It wasn't it tasted bad or anything, because it didn't. It was just hot. And I guess you just had to want that kind of thing. But yeah, enough to have it. Hmm. Okay, what show can I send you? I knew you were going to ask that. And yeah. I don't have an answer. Um, Give me a category that you're in the mood for. Like adventure or cowboys or comedy. Uh, Drama. Detective stuff probably would be best, but I can't think what I don't have. Um, unless you got some suggestions. 
I think I probably leave it to me. Will you trust my judgment? Completely. Completely. Ooh, I must be getting close to graduation. Until I find that different. <laughs> okay. All right. I've got uh, some pretty interesting stuff that I have added since the last time we talked, and I'll pull something out of that pile, and I think you'll enjoy them. I will. Y'all have fun. Sorry. All right. I'm so glad that we heard from you. We always get concerned when we don't hear from you for a while. So I'm glad you called. Thank you. Sure thing. See y'all later. All right, all right. Okay, bye-bye. That was Harwood from North Carolina, who is trying to teach me how not to be so Yankee. But, you know, you it's really, hard. You really consider yourself to be a Yankee? I'm a Yankee. I'll, I guess I'll, you know, it's like a Southerner. You know, like um, Leela? Leela? She was a Southerner no matter where she lived. So, uh, well, I guess I'm a Yankee no matter where I live. Could could you think you could get down and talk like Leela? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think people who try to put on a Southern accent sound like people who try to put on a Southern accent. I Although she did remarkably well. You got a good ear, though. You, I bet you could do a Southern uh, dialect. I think if I hang around people, like if I spent a day or two uh-huh. living in an area that was very regional in the way they pronounced words, I, I think I could probably do it, but not before. I would have to hang around people and Observe. practice the sounds. Yeah. But it's a very... There are so many different sounds. Like in Florida, we have easily five, six, or seven different accents in different parts of the state. So have you picked up uh, Fort Myers accent yet? And the Southwest Florida accent. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it's really sad because the older people who inherited these sounds and these accents and pioneered the areas, their families have all, just as everybody else's families, kind of separated and moved into different places, and we keep getting more and more newcomers, and the pool is diluted, so you don't hear these sounds very much anymore, and they're just beautiful. I can pick up a Southwest Florida accent. It, it's just such a such a smooth soothing sound. The pronunciations are just wonderful for some of the words. I miss it. Uh, it's only 20 before 1 in the morning here on the West Coast. Only. Only, he says. I oh, had a nap. Oh. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I know. You did really well. I did. I can tell you stuff. Oh, look at all of the stuff that we've got tonight. We've got comedian quotes and Pooh Bear and your questions and New Jersey and um, eggs and coins and a figure show and useless but fun. What would you like? I say let's play a figure show. Let's play a figure show. That way, we, you and I can stretch. You can take a you can take a shower. Okay. <laughs> You think I need one, huh? Uh, no, just to wake you up. Just to wake me up. Okay. And I can go grab a snack. Okay. Well, so I say, and let's do that. 
and that means we'll be back. Uh-huh. Were you able to pull the one, the show from March? What? March 18th, 41? March. I do, I do have it. I, I wonder if we played this one before, but I have it. We'll play it again. Well, no, I couldn't remember if it, it's the one where Fibber is drafted, right? Right, right. That's what I have. And gosh, I'm sure we played that very recently. Yeah. So how come I still was dragging it around? Shame on me. I don't know. What did we have from last week? I think April twenty April twenty fifth or something. Or forty four. I think it was April twenty five or forty four. You are most assuredly right. And I can go get that. And gee, I didn't even write it down. Oh me of no faith. Well, how about you just pull up whatever you like? Well, I, what you want me to just go get the April twenty fifth show? Sure, if it's only if it's immediately available. Well, I, I can go play a show basically next week. Doesn't matter. Surprise me. Oh, you sure about that? Uh huh. Okay, let me go get my box. All right. While you're digging through your box, I'm going to give a couple of more goodies about New Jersey because, my gosh, they really did have some fabulous stuff. The game of Monopoly. All of the streets are from New Jersey. Atlantic City, of all places. Um, Now, this one, Dan is going to perk up on this one, and he'll give us a call later. New Jersey has more racehorses than Kentucky. I think that's pretty cool. At the same time, they also have the highest cost of living and property tax and auto insurance rates in the country. So this is not good. This is not good. Um, what else do we have here? The Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, most people think, are in New York, and they are not. They are in New Jersey. How about that? Um, famous people. Now, these are all people who were born in New Jersey. Okay. On the New Jersey sites, they've got thousands of people, and I went through every one of them to make sure that these people were born there, and they didn't just have, um, you know, kind of a, you know, uh-huh. except Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley and her husband spent many years after she did her thing in the Wild West. They lived even. Even the address on Grant Avenue in Nutley, New Jersey, from 1892 through the turn of the century. Annie Oakley and her husband. Do you know what her husband's name was? Wild Bill? No. No, they never got together. Frank Butler. Yes. I never heard of Frank yes. Butler. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, that was the name of the guy uh-huh. when, the, when the famous Broadway show uh, came out, Annie Get Your Gun. That was her love interest. That, well, it turned out to be her husband. Ah. How about that? I didn't recognize the name. See, you're so good at this. Do you know both the Norman Schwartzkopfs were born in New Jersey? I did not know that. Norman Sr. was born in Newark, mm-hmm. and Norman Jr. was born in Trenton. Well, I famous... And you know a famous person who was born in New Jersey? I know several. Pardon? I know several. You know several. Well, who was born in New Jersey, and it pops into mind immediately? Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra was born in Hoboken. Right. 
Lou Castello was born in New Jersey. Correct. Uh, my adorable Patricia was born in New Jersey. But uh, Abbott was also born in New Jersey. Yeah, was he really? Yeah. I, uh, I didn't know that. I thought they met up on the circuit somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they might have because they weren't born in the same town. But right. Abbott was born in Asbury Park, and Lou Costello was born in Patterson. Patterson, yep. Count yep. Basie. Ah, okay. And here's, uh, this is not your presidential question for tonight, but only one elected president Woodrow Wilson. was born in New Jersey. Well, he was a governor, but he was born in North Carolina. Um, right. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, Benjamin, was it Benjamin Harrison? Or was it V.B. Haig? Neither Benjamin. one of them. Hmm. I don't know. Grover Cleveland, ah. which surprised me. He was born in Caldwell, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and he was the only president we ever had who was born in New Jersey. Very and good. Woodrow Wilson was the only other person who spent time in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, he was president of Princeton before. Princeton University. You know, Very that, good. Uh, that was interesting. You know, he was, I think he went from president to then governor, and then to the White House, if I remember the line. That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. And he was not born in New Jersey. But he made all of these accomplishments from New Jersey. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good. Aaron Burr. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. Aaron Burr. Um, Born in Newark. Mm -hmm. And Bruce Springsteen. Born in the USA. Mm -hmm. Long Branch, New Jersey. James Fenimore Cooper. The Deerslayer and other stuff. Okay. Jerry Lewis was born in Newark. Okay. I didn't know that. I never knew where he was born. Did you no. know that? No, I didn't ring a bell, but I'm not surprised. Hmm. He sounded like he kind of, well, I mean, he sounds like he's he from the Northeast. Yeah, but I always thought he was New York, but. No, he was Newark, which is not very far from no, New York no. by any means, but Newark has that really strong sound, too. John Travolta was born in, do you know where? Nope. Englewood. Oh, well, that was, that was the uh, bedroom community where the music industry lives. Uh-huh, and, I remember. And uh, my, my friend Kitty Callen have her one of her homes in Englewood, New Jersey. I've been in there. Englewood, very nice. Also, very uh, nice town. Yeah, also uh, Tony oh. Bennett lives there. And Paul Robeson was born Oh. In New Jersey. Okay. Rich Greenberg will be very happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, Paul Rosen is one of the people he admires oh. so much, or admired. Admires. I guess he admires, mm-hmm. even though Paul Robeson isn't with us any longer. Right. Ricky Nelson. Oh, well, I just had his son on here a couple of weeks ago. We'll be running that interview. When, which of the twins? Um, uh, the older one, by 30 minutes, Matthew. <laughs> measure it in minutes. That's funny. That's funny. But Ricky Nelson and I were born in the same hospital. Ah. And what town is that? Not not quite in the same town. Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck, okay. In Teaneck, New Jersey. And we weren't there quite at the same time, but in the same hospital. I thought that was pretty cool. That's my single connection to famous people. And, of all people, Robert Blake. 
Robert Blake. Robert Blake, who got a reputation later on that is not the most desirable, but he was also one of our little beavers. That's true. That's true. And he walked around with a cockatoo on his shoulder for a million years. (laughs) And that's all the the people I put on my list. Nice. That's a good list. So you want to play a show now and then we come back? Uh Uh-huh, I do. Okay, which one did you pull? I thought the one we both played last week, April 25th, 1944. Oh, that's good. Which one was it? I don't know. We'll find out when we play it. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Okay, well, we're not too far off. I mean, I was a little early with April last week, mm-hmm. and now we're just a couple of days late, so we're in the same week here. Right. And we could do that. So whatever it is, it's going to be fun. And Patricia will have her notes and tell us all about it after the fact. After the fact. I'll go look and see what we what we're playing. Okay. You ready? All right. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Bye, everybody. Here we go with Film Game Media Ball. We'll be back in twenty nine thirty. This is yesterday, USA. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. House cleaning in any year is certainly nothing to write poems or songs about. But in a year like this one, when we're all so busy and there's less help around, any shortcut in the work is most welcome. If your floors, furniture, and woodwork have been regularly protected during the year with Johnson's Wax, you'll know right away what I mean. You'll understand how much easier it is to do a thorough job of cleaning than it was before you adopted wax housekeeping. Dirt just doesn't stick to a waxed surface. Woodwork and windowsills that have been waxed don't get nearly as dirty and are ever so much easier to clean. And if you've Johnson waxed your accessories, picture frames, lampshades, ornaments, pantry shelves, just to mention a few, then you've eliminated much of the drudgery of spring house cleaning. If you haven't been using Johnson's wax to protect and beautify your home, then this is a mighty good time to begin. Johnson's Wax comes in three convenient forms, paste, liquid, and the cream wax, especially formulated for furniture and woodwork. two men with big bags on their backs who bring you things, Santa Claus and the mailman, the mailman has about 300 more chances a year to surprise you. Like just now, when he is approaching 79 Wistful Vista with a special delivery letter in his hand. All unbeknownst to Fibber McGee and Molly. (laughs) 
What were your plans for today, dearie? Oh, I don't know. Thought I might drop in at the Elks. Then go past the cigar store for a minute and see who the guys have elected the next president. <laughs> Maybe stop at the bank on my way home. At the bank? Blood Bank or First National? Hmm. Blood Bank? Who's got any money? <laughs> well, I was just thinking that... Come in. Oh, good morning, mailman. Morning. Is your spouse in the house? <laughs> <laughs> if you mean is my guy standing by, yes, he is. McGee, the mailman, wants to see you. What's on your mind, my little civilian sad sack? <laughs> What's on your mind? And haven't we met before someplace? Sonny. What? I said, Sonny. I used to meet you frequently when I was drinking sodas at Kramer's drugstore. Remember? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. How come you left Kramer's to deliver mail, bud? Well, Washington don't seem to consider drinking sodas an essential industry. Delivering mail is an essential industry. <laughs> so forthwith and without more ado, I am now a mailman in essential industry. And here's a special delivery for you. Oh, much obliged. Are you going back to Kramer's drugstore after the war, son? Yeah, probably. Huh? <laughs> he says, probably. What do you mean, probably? I mean, probably. P-R-O-B-A-B-L-Y. Probably. <laughs> Well, much obliged for the letter, bud. I'll see you again. Hey, wait a minute. You'll have to sign for... What? Now, what's the matter? Don't I articulate the stink? <laughs> I says you'll have to sign for... <laughs> he means weasel have to sign for it, Molly. No, not weasel, just usel. <laughs> Okay, just measles. <laughs> Where do I sign it, bud? <laughs> bomb line. Which line? Bomb, bomb. <laughs> Look, B-O-T-T-O-M, bomb. Oh, well, there you are, bud. Thanks. It's okay. All the days, week. <laughs> Who's the letter from, dearie? I don't know. Well, I'll be... Hey, look. It's from my cousin, Roy McGee, in Portland, Oregon. Oh? Last time I heard from that guy was in 1930, and he wanted to borrow 20 bucks. Well, times are better now. Maybe he wants to borrow 100. Yeah. <laughs> you get the same reply he got in 1930. Which was with the, what? Well, uh, I can't spell it. It's just a noise you make with your tongue. <laughs> I'll see. Have a look here. Dear Silver. I don't know whether you... And your wife was sent with him to Portland here, here in Portland, Oregon. Take complete charge of... Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is wonderful. This is marvelous. Well, that's nice. Someday, when we're walking hand in hand up some quiet country lane in the hush of the evening, maybe you'll give me just a tiny little hint of what it's all about. Not that I want to be Snoopy, sweetheart. Why, it's from my cousin Roy. He wants us to come to Portland, Oregon and live in his house this summer. Yeah? Seems he owns a string of canneries and wants me to take complete charge of them. He says if I make good, he'll turn one of them over to me. What do you know about the canning business? Anything Roy McGee could learn in 15 years, I can learn in two days. <laughs> boy, oh boy, imagine me in charge of six canning factories. What do you suppose he can? I don't know. Besides you, when he finds out how much you don't know about canning. <laughs> Well, let me see. Portland, Oregon. That's salmon and tuna fish country. And cherries. Tuna fish and cherries? Mm. Who'd eat a combination like that? No. We wouldn't can them together. 
Hey, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. I've seen worse combinations in tea room salads. <laughs> Tuna fish and cherries. Oh, well, we'll see about that later. <clears throat> Much later. First thing we got to do is sell this house. Sell this house? Oh, now, McGee. Got to make a clean break, baby. Can't run a canning plant in Portland, Oregon and keep my other pants hanging in Whistle Vista. <laughs> got to put the house up for sale. Hand me the phone. Oh, dear, you're so impulsive. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the Whistle Vista real estate and escrow. Oh, is that you, Mert? Oh, dear. <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? It is, eh? What say, Mert? Sydney, the grocery boy. He did, eh? Did she scream? Did who scream, McGee? Mert's kid sister. Why should she scream? Sid kissed her. Oh. <laughs> what say, Mert? No, let's not try it again. Okay, I'll call later. Just going to put the house up for sale. Yeah. Yep. Going to Portland, Oregon, Mert. Yep. Going in the canning business. Canning business. Yeah. Don't say anything about it yet, Mert. Okay, thanks. Real estate office is busy. Oh, dear. I love that business about telling Myrtle to keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. That girl spills more beans than a Navy cook in a hurricane. <laughs> I know that, Tootsie. And inside of three hours, everybody in town will know we're moving to Portland. Saves making a formal announcement. I see. She's a one-woman secret service with no secrets. Mert couldn't keep a secret if she was blindfolded, gagged, bound, and buried under 40 feet of cement. No. <laughs> when she was given the gift to Gab, she took it back and got a larger size. Yeah. <laughs> that kid collects more wrong dope than a narcotic squad, and to her, the word truth is just part of a radio show called And Consequences. Yeah. <laughs> Mert means well, but her sound wasn't wired for brains. And she uses green lipstick so her mouth won't have to stop. Oh. She's the only girl known to medical science whose tongue has worn out three faces. Oh, dear. The only reason they gave her that job on the ground floor of the telephone exchange was because they knew Mert could never run down. <laughs> she was vaccinated with a... <laughs> Billy Mills and the orchestra play Here It Is Monday.
fully useless information as a 1907 almanac. Yeah. She makes more noise and less sense than a broken record of a Japanese lecture on flower You're right. She can take a veiled hint and build it up into a three-act play with 12 scenes and an oleo. She's the kind that burns the scandal at both ends and she gushes like a broken water main. Besides that, she talks too much. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I guess that takes care of Myrtle. You betcha. I hope you never sit down and start really analyzing my qualities, dearie. I did that long ago. You did? And you come out of it a very noble character. Oh, my. <laughs> Shall I try that again? <laughs> now, let me see. Oh, yeah, this wire to Roy. I, better I still think you're rushing into something you're pretty ignorant of, hmm? You don't know anything about the canning business. So what? Did Eisenhower know anything about Africa? Did Bob Hope know anything about toothpaste? <laughs> Let alone Miriam Zerium. <laughs> now, what do you think of this telegram to Roy? Well, let me see it. Roy K. McGee, Portland, Oregon. Your offer comes at a difficult time as I have had several propositions from big syndicates in the East. Mm -hmm. What big syndicates? You ever hear of Frawley, Bullfinch, Hammerfelt, and Crump? <laughs> no, did you? No, did Roy? <laughs> I see what you mean. Betcha. Well, now, let me see. It says here, however, family ties are stronger than mere money offers, so you may consider Portland deal okay with me. Please have small gymnasium and steam room installed in my office, as I believe in executives. I agree. Let's see. Geography. Mason Dixon line. I did. Now, isn't... Or she... Isn't... The, well, now, what is the Appalachian Mountain Range? Isn't that another big dividing line on the, in the east? It, yes, north to south, and it goes right up into New York. I don't know about how much farther north it goes there. Well, let's see. Um, boundary between Pennsylvania and northern Maryland. Pennsylvania. Well, it looks like the original dividing line is what we're living with today. Is that possible? Missouri Compromise. Hold on. Um, over 50 years later, the boundary between the two states along the Mason-Dixon line came into the spotlight with the Missouri Compromise in 1820. The Compromise established a boundary between the slave states of the South and the free states of the North. Right, However, famous. its separation of Maryland and Delaware is still a bit confusing since Delaware was a slave state that stayed in the Union. How's that for confusion? The boundary became referred to as the Mason-Dixon line, and it doesn't say anything about it being extended to Missouri. The whole thing, just the whole line that appears in a current map is the same one that we saw earlier across the southern border of Pennsylvania and south along the Delaware border, Delaware, Maryland. Hmm. It doesn't go anywhere else. Is that possible? I thought it went farther than that. Well, you know, Jerry. I don't know. Huh. <laughs> now, see what you made me do? I know. Well, we get to learn something. More homework. Let's see. How far are you from Annapolis, Jerry? 
Uh, about two hours. Good, but that's a pretty good ride. Yeah. How long does it take? Now, mind you, this is from somebody who used to drive it, but uh, from the northernmost point in Maryland to the southernmost point, how many hours or how many miles? Either one. Or both. Uh, well, Maryland really runs east and west. Uh, when you go to the, the southern part, there's a part that runs out down by the cave down where the uh, Naval Air Station. That's actually, but that is a pretty good hike. That's, that's a good, uh, probably, I don't know, you know, you have to go through, pretty much go through the city, probably three hours or so. I think it's a pretty good run. A couple times. That's not an awful lot. We can deal with that. All right. It looks like that's the whole Mason Dixon line. How about that? I never knew that. Well, I never did either. I really thought it went farther west, like out to the Mississippi at least. Well, I never knew what the Mason Dixon really. If I did, I, I sure don't remember why we yeah. even had a Mason Dixon to begin with until you read it tonight. I, I was only joshing, like. Mason lived in New York, and Dixon lived in South Carolina. <laughs> but no, I did not know it was sort of a dis dispute between the British colonies. I didn't know it was a dispute. No, I, I knew it was a survey line, but I didn't know why. Hmm. How about that? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. And it doesn't go as far west as I thought it did. So, Jerry, did he get a pressure or anything, or did he just get fed? No, nah, just, just fed. You get kind of fed. What I, what I want. There's nothing I need, you know? Yeah. I don't, I, you know, material stuff. There's nothing I need. Just, just good having a bunch of people around. Got a good story for you about the baby. You always ask me about the baby, Patricia. Yeah, please. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I got horseshoe pits out here, and, and uh, he's watching everybody pitch horseshoes all the time. Uh-huh. So, yes, you know, of course, wouldn't let him around them when they're pitching because it's pretty to get hit. And, uh. So yesterday he went out there by himself here before when there was nobody on around. He went out there and started uh, pitching horseshoes by himself. And, uh, are you serious? Those things are heavy. Yeah, he, he was uh, pitching all four shoes, and he was getting four ringers every time. Then he'd <laughs> take them back the other way, throw four ringers every time. Yeah. Now, how much distance between him and the, the, the stake? The, the stakes are 40 feet apart, but... He, you know, he couldn't throw them that far, so he would pick up no. the shoe, walk all the way to the other end, drop it around the, around the stake. <laughs> <laughs> get the other one, bring it up there, drop it around the stake. <laughs> oh, that's got funny. There, he would sit there and stare at him like he's counting the points. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Then he'd take them back the other way. <laughs> and he'd bring them back on the other end. Well, if he couldn't do it your way, he would do it his way. Yeah, he would that's cute. There about two dozen times, you know. <laughs> uh. Wear him out a little bit anyway. He is a high-energy kid. Wow. That's cute. That is really cute. Well, are you going to answer a question? Yeah, first I wanted to ask you about uh, last week. You were asking about, uh, uh, Walden said something about the song on White Night, and he was talking yeah. about the TV show, and you were going to watch and listen for him. Did he do it, Patricia? No. Uh-oh. Oh, was man. that my homework? Uh -oh. <laughs> you had him on the list of things to do. I was, oh, wait, I have to make a new list here. I was supposed to, I did, however, I looked up the information when we were talking about soldiers being drafted with limitations. 
Mm-hmm. Do you remember the word limitations? Yeah, I remember. I remember you telling me off the air that you've got that one figured out, right? So you got that. Yep. You got your first part of your homework done. Well, that was my first part, and then I was supposed to do what? Let's Look do... at the, an episode of the White Whatever. No. What, was it, what was the name of the TV show, Jerry? Uh, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, and I was supposed to watch an episode. Uh huh. Oh, you said you were, uh, and then there was a white... Uh, the song, The White Knight. song, The White Knight. Yeah. You know, I was supposed to watch it, huh? Listen to it. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a failure. All right. Moving on. Watch an episode. Go to YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Go to YouTube. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. I'll do it right now, okay? Sure. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> Okay, I wrote it down on my list. If I don't write it down, it doesn't get done. I'm very sorry. I was supposed to do that. Do you have a recipe that you grew up with that just doesn't taste the same today if you try to make it or somebody else tries to make it? Uh, not really. There's only one that I've, I've never been able to find it. And uh, my stepfather, I remember one time he... Uh, you know, yeah, these people do these shows like, uh, uh, what do you call them, plasticware, uh, Tupperware thing. Mm-hmm. They come to your house and they have a place right. and sell Tupperware. Well, he let somebody come to the house one time to sell cookware. And the guy cooked a meal and, he, of course, he invited 50 people over to feed him, you know. He uh, he cooked a ham and he made a ham gravy that had ginger ale or ginger in it. And I've never been able to find a recipe anywhere. I never heard anybody know anything about it. But I remember that was some real good gravy that you made. Ginger gravy for ham, and this was a smoked ham. Uh, I think it was canned ham. A canned ham, okay, but not a fresh ham like a chunk of pork. Uh, no, it was, a, it was like a canned ham and. Uh, canned ham, okay. All right. Ginger. ginger. Either ginger ale or ginger or something in it. But I remember it was really good. That was that gravy you made with that. Well, if I find it before you hang up, do I get a prize? Uh, Sure, you get to make it. normally for? I mean, that's, you know, you always see a candidate ginger ale, but generally, what's ginger ale normally used for? Mixing drinks and for drinking. Right, that's about it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like root beer. What's except it's ginger. Oh, it's, it's, it's good for settling in some other upset stomach, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll settle. Yeah. yeah, but anytime anybody ever that I know of, ever got ginger ale for an upset stomach, somebody went and took the bubbles out of it. Okay. You know, you had to drink the stuff flat. Right. Ginger ale without bubbles just isn't ginger ale. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got a recipe for ginger glazed ham. And you put a sauce in the pot and two or three liter bottles of ginger ale. Put three... Two liter bottles of ginger ale. How much are they cooking here? Uh, he's never used anything like that. No, no that's not right. 
Um, maple syrup, ginger mustard sauce. How to make how to make gravy from baked ham. All right, let's see. Okay, and if I if I get it, if I do this right, then I get a prize. If you do it. How to make if you do gravy it. from, okay. Are you going to make it for Junior? If you do it, <clears throat> Start you do with that? half a ham, score the outside, cut fresh pineapples, fasten the pineapples, we know that, maraschino cherries mm. in between, um, one liter of Vernon's sugar-sweetened ginger ale over the ham, bake it for three and a half hours, and if you can't find Vernon's, add a quarter teaspoon of dried ginger to a liter of any dry ginger ale. The baking process yielded about three quarts of, li of liquid with an aroma of ginger, cloves, da 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 da. Pour off the liquid, including scrapings, boil to reduce to a thicker, sweet, syrupy mixture. Thicken by using cornstarch, just like you would with gravy. And there you are. You have to email with that link. How about I I can do that and I can just copy this and send it in an email. You know what recipe this is? I mean it's like home cooked stuff. It's not a, a chef or anything. It came out of somebody's kitchen. Yes, how about that? Okay. My there's something my dad and I were talking earlier this week. How do you make maraschino cherry? Is that really a cherry dipped in sugar sauce? I mean, or you grow it that way? Well, you don't grow it that way. It's in a in a syrupy sauce. Right. Hold on. Let me send Jerry. Homework, homework, homework. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to do one thing at a time. I have to send Jerry the... Food. Um, hold on. This is Patricia cooking... Patricia Kitchen. Oh, I tell by, you what. Hosted you know, by Long Juice. We got Danny Thomas and Ginger... Ham and what else? Mason Dixon line uh -huh. and and what else? Lots of stuff. Jerry. We're a very gourmet show. And okay. Oh no, that's not the right one. Um, Jerry, give me the first two letters of your email address. J O. Um, well, <laughs> you're in here somewhere, but it's not coming up. All right, I got your email address. I'll send you some. Do that, and um, then I can just reply with yeah, this okay. little gizmo here. Yeah, we hang up here. And then what am I supposed to do, Walden? Man oh, there she knows. cherries. I like those myself. Very sweet. Mm -hmm. Maraschino cherries. And let's see. Maraschino cherries. Wikipedia. Preserved sweetened cherry, typically from light colored sweet cherries. And I have to read the rest of it here. Hold on. Um, light colored sweet cherries. In their modern form, the cherries are first preserved in a brine solution. How about that? Brown? Uh, and they're bleached and then soaked in a suspension of food coloring 
and other, and then they put in sugar syrup, and that's about it. Huh. Just red sugar syrup and bleached cherries. <laughs> bleached cherries, good grief. That's what it says. Wow. So it must have a little bit of a, a snap to them because they soak them in brine first. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does have a little snap, uh-huh. you know, like a little singer. It, well, it's, it's very distinct, very sweet. Ah, okay. Now, whole cherries preserved in liqueur were originally known as maraschino cherries. First Croatian time, yeah, first origin. time I remember, what I remember them just being your drink, like when you used to order a Shirley Temple or a, uh-huh. a Roy Rogers, they would put a yep. maraschino cherry. Yep. Cherries were first, these cherries were first introduced in the United States. And they were served in fine bars and restaurants. By the turn of the century, American producers were experimenting with flavors such as almond extract. And, you know, you give people a perfectly good food and they'll find any way they can to mess it up. Decreasingly popular alcoholic variety was illegal as well in, during Prohibition. That's where the alcohol in these things went. Hmm. How about that? Okay, prohibition was repealed in 1933. Food and Drug Administration revisited the federal policy toward canned cherries. It held a hearing about cherries. <laughs> Can you imagine this? It held a hearing in 1939 to establish a new standard of identity for maraschino cherries. Can you imagine they held a special meeting about cherries? You think it was a taste test? Um, Do you think Congress spent some money to have take the Manchester Cherry? I don't see? know. This was the Food and Drug Administration. They, somebody had too much time on his hands. Uh-huh. Unreal. Anyway, that's that's maraschino cherries, sugar syrup. Right. Used to have alcohol. All the fun was taken out, Walden. I'm sorry. Uh, I still love them anyway. I'm very sorry. So, all right. Well, we found your recipe, so this is good. And if you send me an email, I'll send you the link. And then you have to answer a question so I can send you some shows. Let's see here. <laughs> Bickerson's. We did Bickerson's already. Um, yeah, I heard you say nobody ever asked for the Bickerson's. You, you sent me some one time. Yeah. And, uh, oh, when I'm, you're right. Did you ever listen to any of them? I've, I've, yeah, I've had some on... Uh, you know, for for a long time I listened. I, I love listening to them. I, in fact, my uh, my ten year old grandson has a uh, well. They all do. They have these uh, MP3 players. Right. Uh huh. And I put some of the Bickersons on there for him. You know, instead <laughs> of the stupid music they want to listen. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. What? All right. So we'll give you Bickerson's question then. Bickerson's was sponsored. Sponsor. I'm not doing too well tonight, am I, Walden? You're doing really good. All right. And I have the rest of Susie Sells Seashells, too. Oh, good. All right. The Bickersons was sponsored by Dreen, D-R-E-N-E. What was Dreen? It's multiple choice if you need some help. Yeah, that's right. I don't have no idea. All right. It was toothpaste, dish liquid, you know, dishwashing liquid, wrinkle remover, or shampoo. <laughs> let's, let's go with that third one, wrinkle remover. I know that was wrong. 
Wrinkle remover, no. We're down to one out of three. Shampoo, toothpaste, or dishwashing liquid? Uh, we'll try dishwashing liquid. Down to one out of two. You're going to do it, Jerry. I know it. You're going to get it. Shampoo or toothpaste? Toothpaste. Let's try toothpaste. One out of one. All right, Jerry. We're going to get it now. Is it shampoo or shampoo? <laughs> shampoo or shampoo. Let's go with shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's shampoo. Dream shampoo. Well, then what was the whole thing about... Do, do you remember the entire line? I was trying to think. Um... A dream girl, dream girl, that's what it was. Dream girl, dream girl, dream girl. Dream girl. Beautiful luster green girl. No, that's luster cream. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Well, all right. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. You better look it up on the internet. Everything else is up there. I will there. look it up on the internet. What shows do you think you might like, Jerry? Oh, I don't know. Like I say, you sent me some Beckersons one time. Did you, mm. do you have any more of those or? No, I put in everything that I had. And, uh, Are you in the market for comedy or westerns or detective or either, either. adventure? Comedy or western sounds good. I like uh, you know I like all the comedies a lot. Comedies, all right. Well, let me see what ones you've had here. Why are you saying it? Why, why are you doing that? Let me throw you a. Uh, Trivia question. All right. Oh, wait, wait. No, I get to ask. I don't have to answer. <laughs> so we're talking about the, the uh, uh, Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got me thinking of uh, Lewis and Clark. Did you ever hear about the about that uh, rifle they carried with them? That no. It's so bad that uh, this, is how, this is how Lewis and Clark was able to cross the country and the Indians never bothered them because every time they go to a new area, they would demonstrate this rifle they had. No kidding. And uh, it was so powerful that the Indians said they, they'd rather they'd rather be friendly than fight. Wow. Is that true? Yeah. And it was an air oh, rifle. Oh, my word. It was an air rifle. An air rifle? Hmm? You mean like a, like a Red Rider type BB gun? Yep. A little more powerful, but yeah. Yeah. Oh my word! You know, I think I think Lewis and Clark were gone so long they thought they were dead. Right. You know, they never. But they they carried they had one air rifle they carried with them and uh, they they convinced the Indians that their everyone was equipped with this rifle uh, and it was about the size and weight of a musket about ten pounds. And wow. Some inches or so. How did they survive? How did they hunt? Yeah, well, this air rifle would would uh, uh, they could. It held 22 rounds in the magazine, and it could fire 32 rounds without losing velocity. And it fired a 50 caliber musket ball, or I think it was a 46 caliber, uh, and uh, at about the same velocity as a modern-day uh, 45 ACP pistol. Wowzers! And, uh, Boy, am I impressed! All right, now they they had a magazine of 32. One at 22 in the magazine that could fire 32 rounds before it had to be recharged. 32. Oh, okay. All right. I misunderstood. So where did they get the pellets or the musket, they musket rounds? They were lead, lead musket balls. Same thing a musket fired with powder. So where did they get it on this long journey? Well, I imagine they had to pack them with them. 
that's an awful lot of weight for an awful lot of travel. And then they had to come back. Oh, my word. You know, we'd still be in Philadelphia if you depended on me. We'd never get out of there. Okay, you want me to send you a comedy? Just pick a comedy that I think you might like? Sure. Okay, I can do that. Comedy it is. Pick a comedy for Jerry. I can do that. I am very good. So, all right. Well, Jerry, you have yourself a wonderful week. And um, if you feel like calling us after the coffee is done, we'll be here. All right. Okay, Jerry. Thanks a bunch. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. 714. And then I have to watch a movie or a, a television show, right? Yes, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You want the rest of Susie Seashell side type stuff? Yes. All right. 714. Go ahead. I'm ready. Never mind. Hello there. You're on the air. Hello. Acid, howdy, y'all. Uh, Howard, how in the world are you? Are you okay? Yeah, I just, um, kind of creepy, I think. But anyway, I guess I'll get over it. I hope. You're in trouble hearing me, apparently. Well, I no, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm, I missed a couple of words there, and it's my equipment. Walden's going to get me fixed up with something that matches my ears. Uh, but um, how are you feeling and how are you doing? Oh, about the same as usual, I guess. It's always will be something, and that's the way life is. But uh, I'm getting there a little bit long. Well, we sure have missed you. Well, I don't know. It just uh, hasn't seemed opportune to call for some reason, so I haven't. Well, I'm falling behind on my lessons and everything. Yeah, I know it. I've, I've thought about it. Um, I was looking the other day and saw a place selling canned possum. And, I... <laughs> <laughs> and you thought of me. I sure did. Not too hard, though, right? Well, no, I still haven't got over that. I'm, I'm still dithering. Uh, of course, you and Walden both. I'm sure he'd love to have some. Of course. Oh, my goodness. Canned possum. This is good. Harwood was trying to teach me how to be a Southerner. Well, maybe not how to be a Southerner, but to be less Yankee. Would that be acceptable? Well, no, but it's the best we can do, I guess. <laughs> You are so hopeful on so many fronts. This is not one of them. Well, sure I am. I mean, you know, at least we're giving you an opportunity. To do what? To, to try to improve yourself and all, but... You're <laughs> <laughs> hopeless, so... Do you think Patricia could be a sudden bell someday? Well... Or a ding-a-ling. <laughs> one or the other. He he wanted to know if I could be a Southern Belle, and I said maybe a ding-a-ling. Oh well, there's a lot of those walking around, but I really wasn't <laughs> on Southern. 
Uh, I get. I don't think I'll ever make a Southern bill. I'm not even going to make Southern. Just, I've disappointed my teacher. Just got to put effort into it. I'm I'm putting as much effort as I thought I could, but apparently it's not enough. So I have to try harder. Yeah. Right. Well, something's it's worth doing. It's worth doing right. You know, you always hear that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's what's on my lesson plan for tonight? Well, I really didn't realize I was going to call until the last minute, so I didn't do one. I got oh, okay. See, he 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 took your teacher took sympathy on you because he didn't prepare a lesson plan on you, Patricia. So that was, yeah, he well, knew, that's nice. That, knew, that's really nice because yeah. I'm I'm just kind of wiped out tonight, and I'm messing up and I'm tripping over words and. I would disappoint you, so I'm I'm really glad that I don't have a test tonight. Okay. So what's been happening in your area of the woods? Well, the same thing. We've had a, another batch of curtains that about whipped us, but uh, um, it's done. Or well, they're done, but they're not done. They're bringing back four of them. They won't modify, and it wasn't anything we did. It's just. They changed their mind after they got them up. And they were supposed to be here Friday, so they can get them coming Thursday, and they didn't. Won't answer the phone, so I don't know what they're yes, about that. We'll lose our sleep, hopefully. Now, these are industrial curtains. What yes. do they separate? They're the ones that are made out of the cotton, heavy cotton duck. Mm hmm. And, and where do they hang them and why? Well, it's a Israeli plant down near Lewisburg, which is east of Raleigh. What I understand is they make car tops, um, have these huge presses and glue machines. Mm -hmm. And the stuff is really strong smelling. Uh, um, the, the fumes off of this glue. And they have big vent fans in the roof that suck the air out of the building because of these fumes. And they're putting the curtains around these machines and it's drawing the air underneath the curtain and up around the machine and out the ceiling. And the curtains just kind of case the machine. I'm not sure how close to the machine they're mounted, but I know one that we've got for modification or whatever just had this this keep blue all over it. I mean, Lord, I hate seeing those things back. Used them a while, but um, the reason they had to redoing them is apparently the. They told me it was the fumes and the glue that was eating the curtains up. I don't know if it is or actual glue itself that on these things. It's all right with me. If we go bad, you gotta get another one. So, but. Uh, I don't know if some of the synthetics would be a better deal or not, but this is what they want, so that's what they get. Just, you know, the material. But that's that's what they're doing with them, and there's all sizes. And, um, well, they have a big oven, too, of some kind that they bake to do with this. and All of these things have curtains around them.
Do we lose Patricia? I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's my fault. I've been listening. Um, is this the same company that's been sending in orders repeatedly? Yes, it is. Well, so you've right. got a working relationship with these people. Well, how did they choose you in the first place, Howard? I mean, what... Well, there's a company here in Greensboro that builds the hoods and tracks and all for the curtains. That's who we're actually working for. And then they take them down there and install them over the machines and the tracks around the machines for the curtains. And first called me, had been to about everybody in town, everybody he could find. Nobody knew what he was talking about. They wanted this, this cotton duck material, OD cotton duck. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody could understand from his description what they wanted. And he went over to the place that Barbara used to work, tent company. And I know that guy knew, but being his inimitable self, he told him uh, he, did, he was not interested in them and all this stuff. And, I, and we were the you know, the last resort he could find. And so as he started describing it, I knew exactly what he wanted, and well, he couldn't believe that. He had talked to people, nobody understood what he was talking about. That's how we wound up. Yeah, the thing that bugs me the worst, though, is it's just two of us, and wow. can't work as quickly as we used to, and they just absolutely worry you to death. I mean, he'd call two and three times a week. When can I get? When can I get that? Well, for that we're doing all we can do, and it just it it really gets annoying after a while. But we live with it and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. He reports to somebody who counts the number of phone calls oh, people yeah. make in a week. I know they're after him too, but. There's still not so much we can do. Of course. Of course. So. He goes back and he says, okay, I checked with them. That's the end of his responsibility. It really is. It's unnerving. Each time somebody calls like that, the temptation, the temptation is to say, well, it's now half an hour later than it was before you called. Yeah. And the thing too is, like I said, it's just not so fast we can work, but he keeps, well, well, can I get these by next Thursday? Can I get them by Friday morning? Can I get them by Monday? And I keep telling him, I think you can get them by so-and-so. But things happen, and I cannot guarantee that, and I hate giving an answer that I can't really guarantee. There's too many things to go wrong. Yeah, sure. And he just cannot understand that. And, and things do go wrong, and you cannot meet a deadline like that a lot of times, and I just hate giving one. And, of course, he don't want to take that for an answer. And... Well, you're also the only game in town, so you're entitled to say, some I, considerations here. I know, but I, I just get to the point sometimes it gets so aggravating. I don't, I don't, I've, I've almost come in the night to just telling him, you're going to have to find somebody else. We can't do this anymore. Well, he did get another company. And, he did? Oh, yeah. But, uh, How could he do that? He didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he didn't ah, know okay. who he was talking to. Number one, they're slow as syrup, and they make awnings. And that's about all they do. And they take their own sweet time about it, but he didn't know that. <laughs> 
the other thing was, the woman found out what was going on and that we were making them. And, you know, we've known them for years and years and years. And she finally told him. She said, um, I'm not going around him to do this for you. If he wants me to do some of this, I'll do it. But as far as taking this and going with it, you can forget it. Well, that kind of put a wrench in the spokes. And so he's back, but I, you know, with him actress like he is, I just get to the point, we can't do this anymore. You had to find somebody else. You need some more, don't call us. I haven't done that because I can't really afford to, but I've sure felt like but, you know, if we were running the shop, we had 10 people working here and plenty of room, and we could turn them out quicker. But uh, yeah. we got one grunt moving stuff around and one person sewing, and it's just slow. And it's all by hand, basically, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're sewing the machine, but yeah. you got to cut it all out by hand. you got to um, move the stuff around and... A lot of it is hard to, to move on the bare ones and get them through the machine and all that, but, you know, we've developed a lot of tricks with it that improve things drastically. I can cut the all the material now, which I couldn't used to do. What we'd have to do would be pull it down the table, and, of course, the table is a little short on some of them, which is aggravating, but we're living with it. Our table's only 16 feet long, and I'd be a lot happier if it was 24. Anyway... Um, We'd have to pull it down at the table, and the material is like 50, it varies to manufacture, about 50, 59 inches wide. Comes in 50 or 100 yard rolls, depending on where you get it. And you get this thing up on the rack table, and you pull it each width, if the curtain, anything over um, about 50 inches, you gotta start throwing it to, to get it wide enough to make like they're wanting. Because we're making stuff from 36 inches high to 10 feet high. Mm -hmm. Well, we'd have to pull it down the table. Barbara would have to not hold the tape. She'd measure it, mark it. You'd have to put a square across the table. It's, you know, like a five-foot square across the table. But she couldn't reach all the way across. Then she'd have to come around the other side and mark it back and then cut it by hand. And Wow. This very time would say we run around the table like that. Well, I made a, um, had a piece of square tube and, and mounted a pin on the end of it at 90 degrees so she could reach all the way across the table. Well, that helped drastically, but it was still time-consuming. And I thought about doing it for years. We have a, what we call a cutting knife. It, it laid on the bottom with rollers under it, and then the knife stands up, and then in front of it is I've each circular blade, all blade, of teeth on it. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Well, you know, you can cut a lot with that, um, even stacking them up. But the way we have to do this, stacking them is not practical. So she was still doing them by hand. And they make these things that run on a track, clamps to the table. It follows that track, and they have mm -hmm push them across, fall on the track, and they even make them that are powered tracks, so it'll feed itself in return. We didn't have the money for anything like that. I thought about it for quite a while, and I said, I'm 
believe I can make a track for the knife we have. Because, see, we paid fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars for that knife. Wowzers. The track wouldn't go up considerably, and the power track wouldn't go up even more, and we didn't have the money for that. So I got some 10-inch wide aluminum and some half-angle half aluminum, and uh, it took me a while, but I made a track for that knife, and it's actually clamped to the table magnet. They're bolted. There's a bracket at the end of this track, and the magnet is bolted to that, and then it clamps to the frame under the table. These magnets have like 150 pull off. So it stays in place quite well. But anyway, the end of the line of this is see this track is about six and a half feet long across the table's five feet wide. It goes across right in front of the roll of material into the table. And I can measure the knife blade down to where the end needs to be, you know, where it's 12 feet or um, 14 feet or whatever it is on the table. Stop to it. So now I can pull the material down to the stop, spring clamp on it, go back, get everything straight there and run a knife across it. Up, go on to the next. Well, see, I can do all this stuff and Barbara's not even here. And that becomes drastic. Um, then have the problem of getting this under a machine that's only got, it's either a seven or eight inch needle in the When we were doing tent, camping tents, repairing them, the, the stuffed under that arm with her That would absolutely wear you to a frazzle. So, got the bright idea of folding lengthwise to a small cross-section, so to speak. Yeah, the same, the same with the needlewood. And add it right on the front of the machine to a smaller one, and put them on there. And they feed good, and I just proved as she knows. Boy, did that ever in him. And there's several other things we did, but um, you know, it helped drastically, but I told that guy one day, I said, you know, if you came with this order, you want to know when you could get it, and I told you you'd have it in 30 minutes, you'd want to know if I couldn't do it in 10. But I think he got the message here, he was still pushing. But, um, you know, we... I hope he did. You know, you've, you've got one of the most clever minds I have ever encountered, and you always amaze me with the kind of creative solutions that you come up with to these kinds of challenges. You're remarkable. We, well, I don't think so, but you, you just, you have to. Um, you have to think out. Now, right now, I'm building a heater. We didn't lost the, the heater we had out there, and it has just been so cold. Well, years ago, I'm, I'm diverging just a little here but to the point. I have a uh, 10,000 watt gasoline generator, 
and I tried for years to get the thing converted to natural gas. I was stupid by not buying it that way in the first place. That was one of my mistakes. So I found a guy to convert it. And uh, anyway, um, I needed a load bank tested. Um, you know, under heavy load, more than mm -hmm. we normally run it at. Well, I got some oven elements that were 2,200 watts a piece. Like you'd have in oh. the kitchen stove. Got five of them, so I had 10, uh, 11,000 watt load. Wowzers. I never built I did build a frame to hold the elements, but that was as far as I ever got. Well, back when it was so cold and I got to thinking about the heater, I thought, well, maybe I've got about everything here. I had an old blower out of a furnace, or a cage, and I had these elements. So then I got to think, well, I need a cabinet to I know you don't know about repeater cabinets and large radio cabinets and their various heights, but the most common ones are about 21 by 20 inches left and right, and they will vary anywhere from four to six feet high. And you've got a door on the front and back of them and put rack rails inside that you rack mount equipment on. I heard two guys talking on the um, two-meter repeater in Burlington. And they had a bunch of equipment. A guy in South Carolina had died or something. They were trying to sell for his wife. And they had a rack, a um, repeater cabinet. Nobody wanted it. And they were getting them. Well, it dawned on me. And it's this trick. So I told him I wanted it. Now, what I'm doing. Me. Well, then we had to have a grill in the front, back the door to have an air intake, air. Well, I can't get doors filling machine. They were out opening it. They had to have a 14 by 20 inch open so the grills go over. And I just, I couldn't get in the milling machine. I finally had a machine chop up laser. Well, yeah, he thought he could do it. This went on for three weeks or more. Well, about two weeks It's coming Tuesday. He was going to be down. Yep. I'll be here all day. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen him yet. Still didn't come. Well, she really hated me, but that's about par for the course. People go do all kinds of things and don't. So I was in Lowe's last week, Saturday, a week ago yesterday. And I had one of these flashes of lightning, you know. I thought, well, <laughs> an abrasive blade circular saw, I think I could cut this out myself. So I went around and found one. And uh, last night, cut out one of them, put the grill on it, and Thursday, I think, cut out the other one, put the grill on it, so now the doors have got the grills on them. I still got to do some fancy cutting of the plate, lower them out, one at the bottom, I got to go out rack for the heating, but... The doors were the thing that was bugging me the worst. And um, when I get this other done, and I'll be able to get thing up, you can you'll have switches to put in 2,200 watts at a time. So you run it 22, 44, 66, 88, 7,000 watts, um, depending on what you need. And that makes, <laughs> I told one of the guys in Burlington on the repeater, 
that this thing's called a new power happy machine. If you got this thing really wide open, uh, your your power meter goes around so fast you can see it. But uh, it's better than freezing. But anyway, I agree. You you just have to figure out things, and it takes me longer now to figure it out. But I was to the point that do it or do without. So I did. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Harwood in North Carolina, and he's been missing in action for a while, so it's really good to talk with him again. So you come up with all of these fabulous ideas to solve challenges and problems that none of us even know about. Uh, you just, you're cool. And then you can even pickle possum or whatever you do with it. Oh, you smoke it, huh? Get me on pickle possum. I, I, I wouldn't dare tell you what that label says on that. On pickled possum? Yeah, there's another word involved, but I, I won't get into that. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, no, it's, you know, even when I was a kid, when, when my daddy was building a chicken house in the back or a shed and hog pen or whatever, um, you know, everybody helped. And I just learned how to do things. And then as I went on, I had to learn stuff. And mm -hmm. you, you, you just had to sit and figure it out. And I have to do things different from other people. I mean, I, I really couldn't mark this thing on the door, for example, and cut it out. Number one, it's very hard to hold a saw to get it through that in the first place because you have to. side of this board for a guide. It's just clamps. It clamps and um, once you make one cut then you move it to the next one. And um, that's the way that's the way I have to get around. Mm -hmm. Now what somebody else would do I have no idea, but we both wind up at the same place. Remarkable. Now you've got rolls of this fabric that you have to cut. This is industrial weight stuff. How much does one of those rolls weigh? Uh, the last we got in here, I think it was in 50-yard rolls or five feet long and uh, about eight inches in diameter or 50-yard ones. Uh, I think they're about 90 or 95 pounds a piece. I'm surprised it's not more. So how do you oh, hoist these? yard rolls would be. It's just the way this outfit puts them up, so they're, uh -huh. it's, but uh, you just have to pick them up and get them on the table, and then you get them over near the rack, and as a one-inch rod goes across the, the rack, you got to stand on each end, it's clamped to the table, and the rod lays across those stands on each mm -hmm. You roll it over as close as you can, and then slide the rod through it, and uh, lift one end on at a time, unless you got somebody to help you, and if you don't, yeah. you got to do it. Well, if that's part of my growing up Southern, I'm not going to be able to help. Well, I'm not going to graduate. <laughs> I'm just not going to graduate. I have to get used to this idea that I'm going to be kept after school or something. No, not hardly. No, 
You know, there's a lot of people who just can't do that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> they don't know how to learn Southern. <laughs> well, that's well, listen, Southern. you told me I had to do two things in order to qualify right. uh, to to pass my, my Southern test. Yeah. You remember what those two things were? I didn't hear what you said. Do you remember what the two things you said that I had to I, do before three. I could graduate out of Southern school? There were three, and you said you had already done two of them, so you're ahead. Well, I only remember one. I, I didn't ride the mule. That's what you told me. I had to ride a mule bareback. Yeah. yeah. That's one of them. And it had to be a skinny one, you said. No, no, it don't have to be a skinny one. Anyone will do. Well, I'm, I'm happy for that because you told me about the bones. That That's not good. All right. So, and the other two? You know, you needed to know how to shoot. Oh, see, I can do that. That's right. Yeah, and the other one I did, too. Yeah, you did. So. Yeah, I did. So two out of three. Where am I going to find a mule? Well, they're around everywhere. You have to trust me. They're not everywhere. Well, I guess it depends on where you're looking. But they, All right. They are around. Walden, he went for a sandwich. I'm here. Oh, you are there. Did you go for a sandwich? Nope. Nope. I've been sitting here listening to a couple of southern people talk. No, one southern and one, one and one wannabe. Wannabe. Yes. When was the last time you came across a mule in California? Uh, out in the desert. They're out there. So if you needed to, I was going to say lay your hands on a mule, but I guess that, that that's the way, if you had to lasso a mule, it would be within driving distance for you. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, actually, and, actually, um, there's probably some mules three blocks from my house. I can't do this by proxy, Harwood, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I, I no, you know, all the, right. The, the, the fairgrounds... Well, we keep animals uh, three blocks from my house, so we. They're three blocks. Okay. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I have mules. not. I haven't seen a mule in this area. I've seen little donkeys, okay, but how not about, mules. Okay. Let's Google up mule, mules in Florida. That way we can we can track down where the nearest mule is for Patricia. He doesn't need any help, Walt. <laughs> I'm in trouble enough. No, Hollywood. Don't you think he needs to find a mule? She, she needs to find one, don't you think? That's right. I have now, to find a mule if I want to graduate. I think, I think you should Google it up and see where the nearest mule stable is. Or as well, as uh, Jethro Bodine would say, graduate. Yeah. Well, you know, around this area and all, and I, do, I guess they do in a lot of places, you, you have these, um, well, I know you know what a tractor pull is mm -hmm. and truck pulls and all that kind sure. of Sure. But they have the same kind of deal for teams of horses and mules. And and these are high dollar animals, let me tell you. It's like all the money they put in tractors and trucks for this kind of purpose. But um, they show, you know, what all teams can do and, and all this kind of stuff. And um, there's an awful lot of horses and mules used in ranching and farming that a lot of people don't seem to realize. That. I know one guy that um, uh, Red Steagall had on his show. Mm -hmm. I think he uses six mule, uh, six horses back hay. And Red said, well, wouldn't it be a lot better to 
use these rowers and a, and a tractor and all this kind of stuff. And he said, no. He said, I can build big haystacks by myself because you can just tell the horses what to do. They will do it. it wow. It's like a voice control machine. Wow. <laughs> and it, it's, it's easier and faster the way I'm doing it than what you're talking about. But in these pools and all, you know, they have tamed some mules or horses or whatever showing what they can do. And uh, uh-huh. um, if one ever comes near you, you need to go. It's uh, It can be amazing. Hmm. All right, Harwood, what's a mule horse? I've heard the term, but I really don't know because mules can't have mules. No. And no, and I just opened a site, and they're all horses in there. It has to come from a horse somewhere. I think it's one of those deals, that, and I may be all wet here. I'm not saying I'm right, but it's kind of like people that talk about in South they eat hominy grits. There is no such thing. There is hominy, and there are grits. But there are no hominy grits unless you mix them together. I don't think I've ever had hominy. Well, I like grits. Does that count? Uh, well, it's just a, a, a bigger, coarser version of the same thing. Okay. But right. you hear, especially people up north talking about, well, we eat hominy grits. Well, there ain't no such thing. Well, I've got, um, when we're talking, it's just incredible. They're talking mule horses. An Appaloosa mule, and it's a mare. We've got a pair of John mules, and they're geldings. Now, you and I both know that there's something wrong here. Yep, there is, and I don't understand why they're doing I don't understand either. I wonder if it's a term that they use for for workhorses? No. A gated black John mule. This is a gate horse. That's, All right, let's see. I don't know uh, all right. Well, while you're pondering your next problem, I'm going to find out what a mule horse is. Uh, you, you have work horses and you got mules, and mules work. Yeah. Horses do. They're just more stubborn. Definition. Um, well, we've got a mule. We know what a mule is. Horse mule. Definition of a horse mule. No. They're giving a definition of a mule, not a horse mule. Mule, female horse, we know that. I don't know, horse terms. Maybe. That's that's somebody that... Mule barn. Maybe that's somebody that thinks if it's got four legs, it's big and got two ears. Listen, if they geld it, it's, it's not tough. Um... I don't know. Let me see. Horse mule. We don't want a horse mule. We want a mule horse. Well, let me try a different search engine. Isn't this awful? I depend on you for these things. Well, that one I do not know the answer to because to me it doesn't make sense. But that mule horse donkey. Mule horse. Mule horse shoes. Mule horse. Oh, let's see what a mule horse is. <laughs> we don't want a mule. Uh, we know what a mule is. We want a horse mule. Horse mule, say it. 
course you will. Hold on. This uh, Tuesday, mm. I will be interviewing Mole Howard's daughter. So if you're a fan of the Three Stooges, I'm going to be talking to his daughter. This week, we'll be pointing out a future uh, show. And they're having a Three Stooges convention in Philadelphia next weekend. So if you love the old Three Stooges movies and things like that, and if you're in the Philadelphia area, uh, I guess they have an annual convention over there. Never knew that. And neither. They've been playing some of those on this too. Yeah. Off the air station. Ah. Cool stuff. And one of them does play some stooges. That brings up something. Yeah. That I really was surprised to notice. The Lone Ranger, mm -hmm. even back earlier ones. The head on him, name was Kevin. Remember that? Kevin? Cavendish. Oh, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I was reading a book. Um, well, not through with it. The bad guy in that's name, Cavendish. Oh, okay. On these TV shows, I was talking about the old shows. The other night, I was listening an episode of Bewitched. The crooked politician's name was Kevin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> long life family, I think. I guess so. And the all crooks. <laughs> they're all bad. They're yeah. all bad. The occupation. Absolutely amazing. This is Yesterday USA. Hollywood's over there. And Patricia's here trying Patricia's to figure here. out Wallace what they mean by a mule horse. All right, here we go. Now this is this is the. I'm so inexperienced, really dead broke. She was a beginner mule. What the heck is a beginner mule? Uh, a a baby. Uh, well, now here's here's a thought. Do you know? Never mind. <laughs> I'm so confused here. When you have a mule. Which is the female and which is the male that produces what? the Isn't the it a female a donkey? No, no. And a male I, well, the horse. I, that's what I'm asking, Harwood. Is the female the? It has to be the horse. Well, the horse female is the horse and the donkey is the sire. No, I think it's the other way around. Okay, a uh, horse is it's only a male. A mare is a is a female. A mare. Well, I'm I'm asking a horse. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Yes. Um. Do you know I'm not which, sure which which way it is? I really don't know. And I'm wondering if that would make a difference in the product, the end product. Most likely, yes. I really can't see why. It just... I don't know. It, it gets back, it sounds like to me, it's like people... If... You know, if it weighs a thousand pounds, got four feet and two long ears and a tail, they don't know the difference between a horse or a mule. So, you know, to them, a horse—that's where they're calling it a horse mule. <laughs> I mean, it covers everything, so to speak. I don't know. These people look like they know what they're talking. So one, one is um, the gender is a cult. They've got a young one here. After 35 years in the mule raising business, we are actually going to work toward retiring. So, 
I'm going to have to do some research, Harwood. Well, you know. I, I'll put that on my to-do list. I have only worked with a few and ridden a few, so I don't claim to be an expert. Well, if you're going to make me ride one, I need to know what I'm riding here. Oh, you'll know. <laughs> All right, male donkey and female horse. That's the mule. So if we do it the other way around, that's going to be one very sore little donkey. Hmm. What is a mule? We know what a mule is. Okay, well, I'll have to do some homework on this. And if anybody has any ideas about what a horse mule is, you can give me an email. Wouldn't that be well? That's good. That's really good. Oh, I got some emails. Maybe somebody's going to tell me what a horse mule is well, or a mule horse. Was it a horse mule or a mule horse? I thought you said a horse mule, but anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, well. Well, I've got to quit wasting your time. I'll make two comments here. About the Mason 6 and 9, there's only one thing you need to know is to make sure you're always south of it. You sound like we got a train in the background. Yeah, it just went through the bedroom window and around the foot of the... Do you know, for all the times you have called us over the years, isn't that terrible? Two years. Three years. That's only the second time we ever heard the train. Well, it's only because I haven't called you that often. Now, this one goes through only one time a day? Oh, gosh, no. We have trains, trains, trains. It's not as high as a lot of places have them, but um, sometime at night they're running every 19 to 20 minutes. But that's, Woo! that's not always. Yeah. Huh. Well, how about that? Well, are you going to answer a question? I will try. All right. You will try. Let me see. Are you in the market? Let me see here. No Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Not going to do that one. Um, all right. Which horse had the speed of light and kicked up a cloud of dust? Silver. Very good. I'm, I have wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can a horse, pick, how can a horse pick up a cloud of dust? Kick, kick like, oh, kick with oh, a foot. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know the phone. Loses no, I a little always, clarity. I, I always, I always think I was just thinking as a kid listening. Pick up a cloud of dust. Oh well. Kick. Oh, well, Doug, I don't think you. About Jerry and his um, ginger ham. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of putting Coca-Cola in a hamburger? No. When you make it. It is, I, I think any carbonated drink would do. It's just everybody says Coke. That's what it uses. But they don't get dried out and hard when you're cooking them. Uh-huh. You know, if you get them well done. Does it taste sweet? And I, I really think it's just the carbonation that's what causes it. Well, that sounds reasonable, but does the meat taste sweet from the sugar in the cola? No. You don't put a whole lot in it. But it just doesn't get dried out and hard. But uh, 
other than that, I mean, you wouldn't know it unless somebody told you. Yeah. All right. Do you put it in your possum, too? Well, they're pretty soft already. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Harwood was going to send us, what were you going to send us, smoked possum? And it was roadkill. No, it was canned possum. Well, it, for Christmas a year ago. Yeah, it was supposed to be canned possum. I can't find that place I got that from, but I found another one. But they only have Kentucky canned possums, so. <laughs> well, it's okay. Um, but don't do it on the air. Maybe you ought to go and see what they have. Yeah. It's the Roadkill Canning Company. <laughs> Alrighty. But, uh, um, you don't. Listen, drink. you know, I am I am in such a generous mood lately. And I know that hunger is a problem in the country, so I would like to donate mine to the local food bank. Uh-huh. Well, that's real generous of you. It, so, <laughs> Patricia, uh, you told me you wanted to re-gift your gift. Re-gift it, right. That's it. That's it. Just, just, you can just bypass your, your drop. Yeah. Sure. Sure, you can just eliminate the middleman in this. Yeah, just send it and put put it from you. Yeah. Oh, please do. That would be nice. You're talking about they wouldn't mail. they wouldn't believe it, but it's nice that you would do that. <laughs> right. You were talking about ginger ale. Yeah. Uh, ginger ale ham. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know that there. Most people know about the ordinary ginger ale, but when we sold soft drinks here. Uh, we had all kinds, and um, I think Canada Dry was who the brand of, of ginger ale we sell. But they also had a caravan ginger, and it was carbonated too, but it was a whole different animal, and they had it in a different bottle, but that, that thing was full of ginger. Huh. It was um, almost like drinking a pepper drink. Wow, that's a lot of ginger. Oh, it was really hot. Uh, most people just called it a hot ginger, but the actual name the company had on was Caravan Ginger. And I don't even know if you could find that anymore. I haven't really been looking for it, mm-hmm. but uh, I'd usually drink one, two, three times a year, and that was about it. I, mm. you know, warm them all the time. But. Who bought Caravan Ginger or Ginger Ale? Who did what? Who bought, Who it? bought it? Who liked to drink it? I uh, say so we don't sell any of that anymore. And no, I don't know. no, I un- I understand that. But when you did sell it, I know that you had the store. Who would? Who was your customer for that? Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. Um, just everyday ordinary people. Just some drank that and some didn't. I mean, you know, we had things like knee high grape and orange and peach and strawberry, and we had. Uh, Coke and Pepsi, obviously, and Dr. Pepper and stuff like that. Um, then the ginger ale, the, the regular ginger ale, and then the caravan ginger. And um, we sold enough of it to keep it. So I never stopped to ask about why they were buying it. Yeah. How interesting. Most well, that's something that you had to develop a taste for. It's not something you tasted and said, oh, boy, this is good. Well... 
I, I do think it is a thing that, that you have to have a taste for, and most people I don't think would want it. It wasn't it tasted bad or anything, because it didn't. It was just hot. And I guess you just had to want that kind of thing, but yeah. enough to have it. Hmm. Okay, what show can I send you? I knew you were going to ask that. And yeah. I don't have an answer. Um, Give me a category that you're in the mood for. Like adventure or cowboys or comedy. Drama. Detective stuff probably would be best, but I can't think what I don't have. Um, unless you got some suggestion. I think I probably leave it to me. Will you trust my judgment? Completely. Completely. Ooh, I must be getting close to graduation. Until I find that different. <laughs> Okay. All right. I've got uh, some pretty interesting stuff that I have added since the last time we talked, and I'll pull something out of that pile, and I think you'll enjoy them. I will. Y'all have fun. Sorry. All right. I'm so glad that we heard from you. We always get concerned when we don't hear from you for a while. So glad you called. Thank you. Sure thing. See y'all later. All right. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. It was Harwood from North Carolina who is trying to teach me how not to be so Yankee. But, you know, you it's really, hard. You really consider yourself to be a Yankee? I'm a Yankee. I'll, I guess I'll, you know, it's like a Southerner. You know, like um, Leela? Leela? She was a Southerner no matter where she lived. So, uh, well, I guess I'm a Yankee no matter where I live. Could could you think you could get down and talk like Leela? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think people who try to put on a southern accent sound like people who try to put on a southern accent. I Although she did remarkably well. You got a good ear, though. You, I bet you could do a southern uh, dialect. I think if I hang around people, like if I spent a day or two... Uh-huh living in an area that was very regional in the way they pronounced words. I, I think I could probably do it, but not before. I would have to hang around people and Observe. practice the sounds. Yeah. But it's a very, there are so many different sounds. Like in Florida, we have easily five, six, or seven different accents in different parts of the state. So have you picked up uh, Fort Myers accent yet? And the Southwest Florida accent. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it's really sad because the older people who inherited these sounds and these accents and pioneered the areas, their families have all, just as everybody else's families, kind of separated and moved into different places and we keep getting more and more newcomers and the pool is diluted so you don't hear these sounds very much anymore and they're just beautiful I can pick up a southwest Florida accent it, it's just such a such a smooth soothing sound the pronunciations are just wonderful for some of the words I miss it uh. 
only 20 before 1 in the morning here on the West Coast. Only. Only, he says. I oh, had a nap. Oh. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I know. You did really well. I did. I can tell you stuff. Oh, look at all of the stuff that we've got tonight. We've got comedian quotes and Pooh Bear and your questions and New Jersey and um, eggs and coins and a fibber show and useless but fun. What would you like? I say let's play a fibber show. Let's play a fibber show. That way, we, you and I can stretch. You can take a you can take a shower. Okay. <laughs> you think I need one, huh? Uh, no, just to wake you up. Just to wake me up. Okay. And I can go grab a snack. Okay. Well, so I say let's do that. And that means we'll be back. Uh -huh. Were you able to pull the one the show from March? What? March 18th, it, 41? March. I do, I do have it. I, I wonder if we played this one before. But I have it. We'll play it again. Well, no. I, I couldn't remember if... It, it's the one where Fibber is drafted, right? Right. right. That's what I have. And, gosh, I'm sure we played that very recently. Yeah. So how come we... I still was dragging it around? Shame on me. I don't know. What did we have from last week? I think April 25th. April 25th or something. 44. I think it was April 25 or 44. You are most assuredly right. And I can go get that. And? Gee, I didn't even write it down. Oh, me of no faith. Well, how about you just pull up whatever you like? Well, I, what? You want me to just go get the April 25th show? Sure. If it's Only if it's immediately available. Well, I, I can go play a show between next week. Doesn't matter. Surprise me. Oh, you sure about that? Uh-huh. Okay, let me go get my box. All right. While you're digging through your box, I'm going to give a couple of more goodies about New Jersey because, my gosh, they really did have some fabulous stuff. The game of Monopoly. All of the streets are from New Jersey. Atlantic City, of all places. Um, now, this one, Dan is going to perk up on this one, and he'll give us a call later. New Jersey has more racehorses than Kentucky. I think that's pretty cool. At the same time, they also have the highest cost of living and property tax and auto insurance rates in the country. So this is not good. This is not good. Um, what else do we have here? The Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, most people think, are in New York, and they are not. They are in New Jersey. How about that? Um, famous people. Now, these are all people who were born in New Jersey. Okay. On the New Jersey sites, they've got thousands of people, and I went through every one of them to make sure that these people were born there, and they didn't just have... Um, you know, kind of a, you know, uh -huh. except Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley and her husband spent many years after she did her thing in the Wild West. They lived, even, even the address on Grant Avenue in Nutley, New Jersey, from 1892 through the turn of the century. Annie Oakley and her husband. Do you know what her husband's name was? Wild Bill. No. No, they never got together. Frank Butler. 
Yes. I never heard of Frank, yes. but... Yes, yeah, uh, uh, that was the name of the guy uh-huh. when, the, when the famous Broadway show uh, came out, Andy Get Your Gun. That was her love interest. That, well, it turned out to be her husband. Ah. How about that? I didn't recognize the name. See, you're so good at this. Do you know both the Norman Schwartz Cobbs were born in New Jersey? I did not know that. Norman Sr. was born in Newark, mm-hmm. and Norman Jr. was born in Trenton. Well, wow, famous. And you know a famous person who was born in New Jersey? I know several. Pardon? I know several. You know several. Well, who was born in New Jersey, and it pops into mind immediately? Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra was born in Hoboken. Right. Luke Costello was born in New Jersey. Correct. Uh, my adorable Patricia was born in New Jersey. But uh, Abbott was also born in New Jersey. Yeah, was he really? Yeah. I, uh, I didn't know that. I thought they met up on the circuit somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they might have because they weren't born in the same town. But right. Abbott was born in Asbury Park. And Lou Costello was born in Patterson. Patterson, yep. Count yep. Basie. Ah, okay. And here's, uh, this is not your presidential question for tonight, but only one elected president Woodrow Wilson. was born in New Jersey. Well, he was a governor, but he was born in North Carolina. Um, right. <clears throat> I don't know, oh, Benjamin, was it Benjamin Harrison? Or was it Vibby Hague? Neither one of them. Hmm. I don't know. Grover Cleveland, ah. which surprised me. He was born in Caldwell, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and he was the only president we ever had who was born in New Jersey. And go. Woodrow Wilson was the only other person who spent time in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, he was president of Princeton before... Princeton University. You know, Very that, good. That, that was interesting. You know, he was. I think he went from president, then governor, and then to the White House. If I remember the line. That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. And he was not born in New Jersey, no, but he China. made all of these accomplishments from New Jersey. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good. Aaron Burr. No kidding. Okay. Yeah, Aaron Burr, um, born in Newark, mm-hmm. and Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Mm-hmm. Long Branch, New Jersey, James Fenimore Cooper, the Deerslayer and other stuff. Okay. Jerry Lewis was born in Newark. Okay. I didn't know that. I never knew where he was born. Did you no. know that? No, I didn't ring a bell, but I'm not surprised. Hmm. He sounded like he kind of, well, I mean, he sounds like he was was, from the Northeast. Yeah, but I always thought he was New York, but. No, it was Newark, which is not very far from no, New York no. by any means. But Newark has that really strong sound, too. John Travolta was born in, do you know where? Nope. Englewood. Oh, well, that was, that was the uh, bedroom community where the music industry lives. Uh-huh, and, I remember. And uh, my, my friend Kitty Callen has her, one of her homes in Inglewood, New Jersey. I've been in there. Inglewood, very nice. Also, very uh, nice town. Yeah, also uh, Tony oh. Bennett lives there. And Paul Robeson was born oh. in New Jersey. Okay. Rich Greenberg will be very happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, 
Paul Robeson is one of the people he admires so uh, much, or admired, admires. I guess he admires, mm-hmm. even though Paul Robeson isn't with us any longer. Right. Ricky Nelson. Oh, well, I just had his son on here a couple of weeks ago. We'll be running that interview. When, which of the twins? Um, uh, the older one, by 30 minutes, Matthew. <laughs> measure it in minutes. That's funny. That's funny. But Ricky Nelson and I were born in the same hospital. Oh. And what town is that? Not not quite in the same town. Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck, okay. In Teaneck, New Jersey. And we weren't there quite at the same time, oh. but in the same hospital. I thought that was pretty cool. That's my single connection to famous people. And, of all people, Robert Blake. Robert Blake. Robert Blake, who got a reputation later on that is not the most desirable, but he was also one of our little beavers. That's true. That's and he true. walked around with a cockatoo on his shoulder for a million years. <laughs> and that's all the all the people I put on my list. Nice. That's a good So you want to play a show now and then we come back? Uh-huh, I do. Okay, which one did you pull? I thought the one we were supposed to play last week, April 25th, 1944. Oh, that's good. Which one was it? I don't know. We'll find out when we play it. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Okay, well, we're not too far off. I mean, I was a little early with April last week, mm-hmm. and now we're just a couple of days late, so we're in the same week here. Right. And we could do that. So whatever it is, it's going to be fun. And Patricia will have her notes and tell us all about it after the fact. After the fact. I'll go look and see what, we, what we're what we playing. Okay. You ready? All right. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Bye, everybody. Here we go with Fermi and me. We'll be back in 2930. This is Yesterday, USA. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. House cleaning in any year is certainly nothing to write poems or songs about. But in a year like this one, when we're all so busy and there's less help around, any shortcut in the work is most welcome. If your floors, furniture, and woodwork have been regularly protected during the year with Johnson's Wax, you'll know right away what I mean. You'll understand how much easier it is to do a thorough job of cleaning than it was before you adopted wax housekeeping. Dirt just doesn't stick to a waxed surface. Woodwork and windowsills that have been waxed don't get nearly as dirty and are ever so much easier to clean. And if you've Johnson waxed your accessories, picture frames, lampshades, ornaments, pantry shelves, just to mention a few, then you've eliminated much of the drudgery of spring house cleaning. If you haven't been using Johnson's wax to protect and beautify your home, then this is a mighty good time to begin. Johnson's Wax comes in three convenient forms, paste, liquid, and the cream wax, especially formulated for furniture and woodwork. (laughs) 
those two men with big bags on their backs who bring you things, Santa Claus and the mailman, the mailman has about 300 more chances a year to surprise you. Like just now, when he is approaching 79 Wistful Vista with a special delivery letter in his hand. All unbeknownst to Fibber McGee and Molly. What were your plans for today, dearie? Oh, I don't know. Thought I might drop in at the Elks. Then go past the cigar store for a minute and see who the guys have elected the next president. (laughs) Maybe stop at the bank on my way home. At the bank? Blood Bank or First National? Blood Bank? Who's got any money? (laughs) Well, I was just thinking that... Come in. Oh, good morning, mailman. Morning. Is your spouse in the house? (laughs) (laughs) If you mean is my guy standing by, yes, he is. McGee, the mailman, wants to see you. Oh, what's on your mind, my little civilian sad sack? (laughs) What's on your mind? And haven't we met before someplace? Sonny. What? I said, Sonny, I used to meet you frequently when I was drinking sodas at Kramer's Drugstore. Remember? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. How come you left Kramer's to deliver mail, bud? Well, Washington don't seem to consider drinking sodas an essential industry. Delivering mail is an essential industry. <laughs> so forthwith and without more ado, I am now a mailman in essential industry. And here's a special delivery for you, much obliged. Are you going back to Kramer's drugstore after the war, son? Yeah, probably. Huh? <laughs> he says, probably. What do you mean, probably? I mean, probably. P R O B A B L Y. Probably. <laughs> well, much obliged for the letter, bud. I'll see you again. Hey, wait a minute. You'll have to sign for. What? Now, what's the matter? Don't I articulate the stink? (laughs) I says yous will have to sign for... (laughs) He means weasel have to sign for it, Molly. (laughs) Not weasel, just usel. Okay, just measle. Where do I sign for it, bud? (laughs) Bomb line. Which line? Bomb, bomb. <laughs> Look, B-O-T-T-O-M, bomb. Oh, well, there you are, bud. Thanks. It's okay. All the days, week. <laughs> Who's the letter from, dearie? I don't... Well, I'll be... Hey, look. It's from my cousin, Roy McGee, in Portland, Oregon. Oh, Last time I heard from that guy was in 1930, and he wanted to borrow 20 bucks. Well, times are better now. Maybe he wants to borrow 100. Yeah. <laughs> you get the same reply he got in 1930. Which was with the, what? Well, uh, I can't spell it. It's just a noise you make with your tongue. <laughs> I'll see. Have a look here. Dear Silver. I don't know whether you... And your wife... Here in Portland, Oregon... Take complete charge of... Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is wonderful. This is marvelous. Well, that's nice. Someday, when we're walking hand in hand up some quiet country lane in the hush of the evening, maybe you'll give me just a tiny little hint of what it's all about. Not that I want to be Snoopy, sweetheart. Why, it's from my cousin Roy. He wants us to come to Portland, Oregon and live in his house this summer. Yeah? Seems he owns a string of canneries, wants me to take complete charge of them. 
He says if I make good, he'll turn one of them over to me. What do you know about the canning business? Anything Roy McGee could learn in 15 years, I can learn in two days. Boy, oh boy, imagine me in charge of six canning factories. What do you suppose he can? I don't know. Besides you, when he finds out how much you don't know about canning. <laughs> well, let me see. Portland, Oregon. That's salmon and tuna fish country. And cherries. Tuna fish and cherries? Mm. Who'd eat a combination like that? <laughs> we wouldn't can them together. Hey, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. I've seen worse combinations in tea room salads. <laughs> tuna fish and cherries. Oh, well, we'll see about that later. <clears throat> Much later. First thing we got to do is sell this house. Sell this house? Oh, now, McGee. Got to make a clean break, baby. Can't run a canning plant in Portland, Oregon, and keep my other pants hanging in Whistle Vista. <laughs> got to put the house up for sale. Hand me the phone. Oh, dear, you're so impulsive. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the Whistle Vista real estate and escrow. Oh, is that you, Mert? Oh, dear. <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? Here's a... What say, Mert? Sidney, the grocery boy. He did, eh? Did she scream? Did who scream, McGee? Mert's kid sister. Why should she scream? Sid kissed her. Oh. <laughs> what say, Mert? No, let's not try it again. Okay, I'll call later. Just going to put the house up for sale. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Going to Portland, Oregon, Mert. Yep. Going in the canning business. Canning business. Yeah. Don't say anything about it yet, Mert. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Real estate office is busy. Oh, dear. I love that business about telling Myrtle to keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. That girl spills more beans than a Navy cook in a hurricane. <laughs> I know that, Tootsie. And inside of three hours, everybody in town will know we're moving to Portland. Saves making a formal announcement. I see. She's a one-woman secret service with no secrets. Mert couldn't keep a secret if she was blindfolded, gagged, bound, and buried under 40 feet of cement. No. <laughs> when she was given the gift to Gab, she took it back and got a larger size. Yeah. <laughs> that kid collects more wrong dope than a narcotic squad, and to her, the word truth is just part of a radio show called And Consequences. Yeah. <laughs> Mert means well, but her sound wasn't wired for brains. And she uses green lipstick so her mouth won't have to stop. Oh. She's the only girl known to medical science whose tongue has worn out three faces. Oh, dear. The only reason they gave her that job on the ground floor of the telephone exchange was because they knew Mert could never run down. <laughs> she was vaccinated with a... <laughs> Billy Mills and the orchestra play Here It Is Monday.
Atlas Information is a 197 almanac. Yeah. She makes more noise and less sense than a broken record of a Japanese lecture on flower You're arrangement. right. She can take a veiled hint and build it up into a three-act play with 12 scenes and an oleo. She's the kind that burns the scandal at both ends and she gushes like a broken water main. Besides that, she talks too much. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I guess that takes care of Myrtle. You betcha. I hope you never sit down and start really analyzing my qualities, dearie. I did that long ago. You did? And you come out of it a very noble character. Oh, my. <laughs> Shall I try that again? <laughs> now, let me see. Oh, yeah, this wire to Roy. I, better I still think you're rushing into something you're pretty ignorant of. Hmm? You don't know anything about the canning business. So what? Did Eisenhower know anything about Africa? Did Bob Hope know anything about toothpaste? Let alone Miriam Zirium. <laughs> now, what do you think of this telegram to Roy? Well, let me see it. Roy K. McGee, Portland, Oregon. Your offer comes at a difficult time as I have had several propositions from big syndicates in the East. Mm -hmm. What big syndicates? You ever hear of Frawley, Bullfinch, Hammerfelt, and Crump? <laughs> No, did you? No, did Roy? <laughs> I see what you mean. Betcha. Well, now, let me see. It says here, however, family ties are stronger than mere money offers, so you may consider Portland deal okay with me. Please have small gymnasium and steam room installed in my office, as I believe in executives... Later, the boundary between the two states along the Mason-Dixon line came into the spotlight with the Missouri Compromise in 1820. The Compromise established a boundary between the slave states of the South and the free states of the North. Right, However, its separation of Maryland and Delaware is still a bit confusing since Delaware was a slave state that stayed in the Union. Now that's a confusion. The boundary became referred to as the Mason-Dixon line and it doesn't say anything about being extended to Missouri. The whole thing, just the whole line that appears in a current map is the same one that we saw earlier across the southern border of Pennsylvania and south along the Delaware border, Delaware, Maryland. Hmm, it doesn't go anywhere else. Is that possible? I thought it went farther than that. What do you know, Gary? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> now, see what you made me do? I know. Well, we get to learn something. More homework. Let's see. How far are you from Annapolis, Gary? Uh, about two hours. Good, but that's a pretty good ride. Yeah. How long does it take? Now, mind you, this is from somebody who used to drive it, but uh, from the northernmost point in Maryland to the southernmost point. How many hours or how many miles? Either one. Or both. Uh, 
Well, Maryland really runs east and west. Uh, when you go to the, the southern part, there's a part that runs out down by the cave down where the uh, Naval Air Station. That's actually, but that is a pretty good hike. That's, that's a good, uh, probably, I don't know, you know, you have to go through, pretty much go through the city, probably three hours or so. I think it's a pretty good run. Couple times. That's not an awful lot. We can deal with that. Alright, it looks like that's the whole Mason-Dixon line. How about that? I never knew that. Well, I never did either. I really thought it went farther west, like out to the Mississippi at least. Well, I never knew what the Mason-Dixon really... If I did, I, I sure don't remember why we yeah. even had a Mason-Dixon to begin with until you read it tonight. I, I was only joshing, like... Mason lived in New York, and Dixon lived in South Carolina. <laughs> but no, I did not know it was sort of this dispute between the British colonies. I didn't know it was a dispute. No, I, I knew it was a survey line, but I didn't know why. Hmm. How about that? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. And it doesn't go as far west as I thought it did. So, Jerry, did he get a present or anything, or did he just get fed? No, I just, just say that. You get kind of what I, what I want. There's nothing I need, you know. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, material stuff. There's nothing I need. Uh, just, just good having a bunch of people around. Got a good story for you about the baby. You always ask me about the baby, Patricia. Yeah, please. He, uh, yeah, you know, I got horseshoe pits out here, and, and uh, he's watching everybody pitch horseshoes all the time. Uh huh. So yes, you know, of course, wouldn't let him around them when they're pitching because it's pretty good hit, and. uh so yesterday he went out there by himself here before there was nobody going around. He went out there and started uh, pitching horseshoes by himself. And, uh, are you serious? Those things are heavy. Yeah, he, he was uh, pitching all four shoes, and he was getting four ringers every time. Then he'd <laughs> take them back the other way, three or four ringers every time. Yeah. Now, how much distance between him and the, the, the stakes? The, the stakes are 40 feet apart, but... He, you know, he couldn't throw them that far, so he would pick no. up two, walk all the way to the other end, drop it around the around the stake, <laughs> get the other one, bring it up there, drop it around the stake. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. There, he would sit there and stare at him like he's counting the points. And, yeah, and yeah. Then he'd take them back the other way. <laughs> and he'd bring them back on the other end. Well, if he couldn't do it your way, he would do it his way. Yeah, he would that's cute. There about two dozen times, you know. <laughs> uh. Wear him out a little bit anyway. He is a high-energy kid. Wow. That's cute. That is really cute. Well, are you going to answer a question? Yeah, first I wanted to ask you about uh, last week. You were asking about uh, uh, Walden said something about the song on Late Night and he was talking yeah. about the TV show and you were going to watch and listen for him. Did he do it, Patricia? No. Uh-oh. Oh, was man. that my homework? Uh -oh. <laughs> you had him on the list, the things to do. I was, oh wait, I have to make a new list here. I was supposed, I did, however, I looked up the information when we were talking about soldiers being drafted with limitations. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the word limitations? Yeah, I, remember, I remember you telling me off the air that you've got that one figured out. Right, so you got that, yep. you got your first part of your homework done. Well, that was my first part, and then I was supposed to do what? Listen Look at the, an episode of the White, whatever. No. What, was it, what was the name of the TV show, Jerry? Uh, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, and I was supposed to watch an episode. Uh huh. 
Oh, you said you uh, were, and then there was a white... Uh, the song, The White Knight. The song, The White Knight. Yeah. You know, I was supposed to watch it, huh? Listen to it. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a failure. All right. Moving on. Watch an episode. Go to YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Go to YouTube. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. I'll do it right now, okay? Sure. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> okay. I wrote it down on my list. If I don't write it down, it doesn't get done. I'm very sorry. I was supposed to do that. Do you have a recipe that you grew up with that just doesn't taste the same today if you try to make it or somebody else tries to make it? Uh, not really. There's only one that I've, I've never been able to find it. And uh, my stepfather, I remember one time he, uh, you know, yeah, these people do these shows like, uh, uh, what do you call them, plasticware, uh, Tupperware thing. Mm -hmm. They come to your house and they have a place right. and sell Tupperware. Well, he let somebody come to the house one time to sell cookware. And the guy cooked a meal and he, of course he, he let 50 people over and feed them, you know. Uh, he, uh, he cooked a ham and he made a ham gravy that had ginger ale or ginger in it. And I've never been able to find a recipe anywhere. I never heard anybody know anything about it. But I remember that was some real good gravy that he made. Ginger gravy for a ham. And this was a smoked ham? Uh, I think it was canned ham. A canned ham. Okay, but not a fresh ham like a chunk of pork. Uh, no, it was, a, it was like a canned ham. And, uh, canned ham. Okay. Had, All right. So had ginger, had ginger. ginger. Either ginger ale or ginger or something in it. But I remember it was really good. It was that gravy you made with that. Well, if I find it before you hang up, do I get a prize? Uh, Sure, you get to make it. normally for? I mean, that's, you know, you always see a candidate ginger ale, but generally, what's ginger ale normally used for? Mixing drinks and for drinking. Right, that's about it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like root beer. What's except it's ginger. It's, it'll, it's good for settling some of an upset stomach, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but anytime anybody ever that I know of ever got ginger ale for an upset stomach, somebody went and took the bubbles out of it. Okay. You know, you had to drink the stuff flat. Right. Uh, ginger ale without bubbles just isn't ginger ale. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got a recipe for ginger glazed ham. And you put a sauce in the pot and two or three liter bottles of ginger ale. Put three two-liter bottles of ginger ale. How much are they cooking here? Uh, he's never used anything like that. No, that's not right. Um, maple syrup, ginger mustard sauce, how to make how to make gravy from baked ham. Alright, let's see. Okay, and if I, if I get it, if I do this right, then I get a prize. If you do it, 
How to make if you do gravy the, from okay. Are you gonna make it for Junior? If you do it, <clears throat> start you do with that? half a ham. Score the outside. Cut fresh pineapples. Fasten the pineapples. We know that. Maraschino cherries mm. in between. Um, one liter of Vernon's sugar sweetened ginger ale over the ham. Bake it for three and a half hours. And if you can't find Vernon's, add a quarter teaspoon of dried ginger to a liter of any dry ginger ale. The baking process yielded about three quarts of, li of liquid with an aroma of ginger, cloves, da 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 da. Pour off the liquid, including the scrapings, boil to reduce to a thicker, sweet, syrupy mixture. Thicken by using cornstarch, just like you would with gravy. And there you are. You have to email with that link. How about I I can do that and I can just copy this and send it in an email. You know what recipe this is? I mean, it's like home cooked stuff. It's not a, a chef or anything. It came out of somebody's kitchen. Yes, How about that? Okay. My there's something my dad and I were talking earlier this week. How do you make maraschino cherry? Is that really a cherry dipped in sugar sauce? I mean, or you grow it that way? And you don't grow it that way. It's in a in a syrupy sauce. Right. Hold on. Let me send Jerry. Homework, homework, homework. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to do one thing at a time. I have to send Jerry the... Food. Um, hold on. This is Patricia cooking... Patricia Kitchen. Oh, I'll tell by, you what. Hosted you know, by Long Juice. We got Danny Thomas and Ginger... Ham and what else? Mason Dixon line uh -huh. and and what else? Lots of stuff. Jerry. We're a very gourmet show. And okay. Oh no, that's not the right one. Um, Jerry, give me the first two letters of your email address. J O. Um, well, <laughs> you're in here somewhere, but it's not coming up. All right, I got your email address. I'll send you some. Do that, and um, then I can just reply with yeah, this okay. little gizmo here. That we hang up here. And then what am I supposed to do, Walden? Man oh, there she knows. cherries. I like those myself. Very sweet. Mm -hmm. Maraschino cherries. And let's see. Maraschino cherries. Wikipedia. Preserved sweetened cherry, typically from light colored sweet cherries. And I have to read the rest of it here. Hold on. Um, light colored sweet cherries. In their modern form, the cherries are first preserved in a brine solution. How about that? Brown? Uh, and they're bleached and then soaked in a suspension of food coloring and other, and then they put in sugar syrup, and that's about it. Huh. Just red sugar syrup and bleached cherries. <laughs> bleached cherries, good grief. That's what it says. Wow. So it must have a little bit of a, a snap to them because they soak them in brine first. Yeah, yeah, it does. 
It does have a little snap, uh-huh. you know, like a little singer. It, well, it's, it's very distinct, very sweet. Ah, okay. Now, whole cherries preserved in liqueur were originally known as maraschino cherries. First Croatian time, yeah, first origin. time I remember, what I remember them, just being your drink, like when you used to order a Shirley Temple or a, uh-huh. a Roy Rogers, they would put a yep. maraschino cherry. Yep. Cherries were first, these cherries were first introduced in the United States, and they were served in fine bars and restaurants. By the turn of the century, American producers were experimenting with flavors such as almond extract. And, you know, you give people a perfectly good food, and they'll find any way they can to mess it up. Decreasingly popular alcoholic variety was illegal as well in, during Prohibition. That's where the alcohol in these things went. Hmm. How about that? Okay. Prohibition was repealed in 1933. Food and Drug Administration revisited the federal policy toward canned cherries. It held a hearing about cherries. (laughs) Can you imagine this? It held a hearing in 1939 to establish a new standard of identity for maraschino cherries. Can you imagine they held a special meeting about cherries? You think it was a taste test? Um, Do you think Congress spent some money to have take the maraschino cherry? To I don't see? know. This was the Food and Drug Administration. They, somebody had too much time on his hands. Uh-huh. Unreal. Anyway, that's that's maraschino cherries. Sugar syrup. Right. Used to have alcohol. All the fun was taken out, Walden. I'm sorry. I still love them anyway. I'm very sorry. So, All right. Well, we found your recipe. So this is good. And if you send me an email, I'll send you the link. And then you have to answer a question so I can send you some shows. Let's see here. <laughs> Bickerson's. We did Bickerson's already. Um, yeah, I heard you say nobody ever asked for the Bickerson's. You, you sent me some one time. Yeah. And, uh, oh, when I'm, you're right. Did you ever listen to any of them? I've, I've, yeah, I've had some on... Uh, you know, for for a long time, I listened. I, I love listening to them. I, in fact, my uh, my ten year old grandson has a. Uh, well, they all do. They have these uh, MP3 players. Right. Uh huh. And I put some of the Bickersons on there for him. You know, instead <laughs> of the stupid music they want. To That's funny. That's funny. What? All right, so we'll give you Bickerson's question then. Bickerson's was sponsored. Spon- I'm not doing too well tonight, am I, Walden? You're doing really good. All right. And I have the rest of Susie Sells Seashells, too. Oh, good. All right. The Bickersons was sponsored by Dreen, D-R-E-N-E. What was Dreen? It's multiple choice if you need some help. Yeah, that's right. I have no idea. All right. It was toothpaste, dish liquid, you know, dishwashing liquid, wrinkle remover, or shampoo. Wrinkle remover, no. We're down to one out of three. Shampoo, toothpaste, or dishwashing liquid? Oh, we'll try dishwashing liquid. Down to one out of two. You're going to do it, Jerry. I know it. You're going to get it. Shampoo or toothpaste? Toothpaste. Let's try toothpaste. One out of one. All right, Jerry. We're going to get it now. 
Is it shampoo or shampoo? Shampoo or shampoo? Let's go with shampoo. <laughs> it's shampoo. Dream shampoo. Well, then what was the whole thing about 